looks like the gift card arrived. I was watching the tracking number. It looks like that arrived fine. So I, I don't know if that got lost or it's a thing where you've just, your, your phone doesn't work now or if that's anything you're dealing with. But if there's anything else I can do, just let me know. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm very, very well. Good. It's morning in San Francisco. Oh. Are you getting, <sighs> are you drinking enough water? <laughs> me? You? I, I think so. Have you heard something? Well, I just, you know, it's something I think about. I think of the many, many things you can worry about for me. Water's not one of them. Okay. You're so you're, you're all good there. I had a, I had a friend, um, visit yesterday, came to the office and, uh, I think he was appalled by the evidence of how much water I drink. <laughs> little, he actually the took little a photo. jars set up along yes. the wall. <laughs> no jars, but no, my friend Max was here and he took a photo of the dozens and dozens of crushed 12 packs of seltzer water. Oh. Yeah, he thought that was funny. I mean, it is funny. It is funny, yeah. And, and you know, I cleaned off my desk yesterday, and I already, now I got five empties on here. And I got, I got one in the chamber. You know, look at it, ghosts and empties. <sighs> got is a tiny a Deadpool. Hmm? Yeah, it's a bong. It's a, it's a seltzer <laughs> bong. You're mainlining it now. Do you ever have those friends in college that like to clean your bong because they could collect the resin? <laughs> It's sort of weird. Yeah. I, there are bong cleaners. There used to be people who like cleaning a bong. Bong cleaners. Bong. <laughs> <laughs> I've never liked that word. No, it's a weird one. Bong. Bong. Bobble, bobble bag. <laughs> uh, it's a nice morning. You know, I, I okay, number two, I'm tired of everybody complaining about, about daylight savings time. But number one, we should just stick with daylight savings time. Don't you think? Just pick one. No, I've does, 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 does the switching away help at this point? It's such a small amount of time. And it's like, you can just get your kid acclimated naturally to like going to bed in a normal time. And like, yeah. we talked about this before, right? Yeah. We talked about this at least three years now where like the week after the time change is so hard for a kid. It seems unjust. They have to go to bed while it's still light out. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. And at least right now, I don't know about your school there, but this is spring breaks. And I think this is the first time ever that we've had a time change happen when we've had a big section of time off. So it's spring break now, right now, this oh week. My goodness. So it's, it's been great actually, because we've been, you know, we've been able to start the slow process of adjusting by like 10, 15 minutes a night, you know, and by the end of the week, we'll be all ready to go. They will be anyway. Yeah. Yep. We've got, Ours is later in the month. I keep now I'm doing that terrible thing where I already stay up too late. I've slipped back into watching TV at night. Uh, which uh, I've, got to, I've got to stop doing it. And I, this is a well-documented problem that I have where I will just start watching a movie at like 10 o'clock. And it's like, that's what are you doing? And I'll say to myself, well, oh, it's actually nine o'clock. Like, in, you know, uh, my body thinks it's nine o'clock. But still, and then it's just the end of Mockingjay Part 2. And you're like, what was that? <laughs> Wait, the end of what? Mockingjay Part 2. I don't know about that. Ugh. I had to cleanse my oh, palate. Oh, that, that's by, the Hunger Games. Yeah, I had to cleanse oh. my palate by watching Catching Fire, which is a much better movie. <laughs> oh my goodness. I kept waiting for Bobby Ewing to be in the shower. Like, tell me this didn't actually happen. What is happening here? Uh, I should probably read the book. You should have you read the book. You really should read the book. Um, I read some of the book, first book. But uh, I came to watch a movie, not to watch a movie and read a book. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you, are you still watching uh, Walking Dead? I haven't started yet. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a fan of the comic. And I the... am a fan of the comic. I've read the. I haven't read all of the comic yet, and uh, there 
I want to read all of the comic before I watch. Is that dumb? I want to re- finish reading it before I watch the dumb show. Dumb is a very strong way to put it. Yeah. It's uh, definitely going to take a long time before you get to watch the, the TV show. Okay. Boy, it's good. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they get this far into that show and still, I don't know. Keep, it, keep it exciting, right? It, yeah. Keep it, keep it super exciting. And it's, um, Hmm, what can I say? You know, it took me like two years of trying to watch this show because it was just too gross. And I would have to leave the room. Really? While my wife was watching it. Yeah. No, the first couple seasons, it's gross. But like the effects have gotten unbelievably realistic. So just somebody like a, a walker being stabbed in the head from behind and the blade coming out their face. Like that's just a thing that looks entirely real now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah, this last episode was really, really good. Really good. It's a very good program. But yeah, it is, it is high on my list uh, of things that uh, I need to get on board with and definitely, definitely will be watching it. You still have a lot of homework from me, buddy. I know. You still, you still got to watch Stuart Lee. I can't yep. believe you're not watching Stuart Lee. All I'm asking, I'm asking for 20 minutes, literally 28 minutes of your time. Watch one episode of Stuart Lee. And then, of course, you have to watch uh, seven seasons of Parks and Rec. So, you know, pop that in the stack. Oh, I know those are on there. I actually have a note, and I know our our topic today is going to be uh, uh, Merlin's 101 tips on using Apple's Notes app. I don't want to jump ahead. Okay. Uh, but I have a list going of things that you have recommended for me to watch or read, and it is it is the top note right now. Hmm. Merlin's That's cool. Best of. Uh, that's funny. Um. Hmm. <laughs> And and I made it. I made it a you know to do to do list, little check boxes. So as when I'm finished one, I can tap, yeah tap the uh, the circle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got things that I enjoy. I've got things that I enjoy that I tend to recommend, and then I got things I just get a little obsessed with. Like like some people are with Hamilton, where they can't stop talking about Hamilton. That's kind of me with Stuart Lee. Like every episode of this show, I I'm continually struck by. Uh, I don't know if you're somebody who likes comedy and like you think about like, why is this thing funny and that thing's kind of funny and this thing's not that funny and this thing should seem funny, but it's not funny. And why do I laugh awkwardly at things, but I still think it's funny. Mm -hmm. And like to have somebody who can like do those jokes in so many layers is, uh, is amazing. So I've got Stuart Lee, I got Parks and Rec, I got Bob's Burgers, I got Walking Dead. Oh, we got Bob's Burgers on the list. You gotta yeah. watch the Bob's Burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else mm-hmm. am I what else should I make sure I have? I on think here? that's 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 plenty. That's it? That's plenty. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the thing about Parks and Rec is it starts out delightful and uh, it gets better. And then like the, by the third season, it's good. It's fun. It's very fun from the beginning because it's, it's got a really good pedigree. Like the people who work on that show are terrific. Um, but by the third season, it uh it becomes very rich. And it becomes one of those shows where you watch it just because you enjoy all of the characters so much and they, they have such a, you know how it is. It's one of the, I guess like community would be another one where like, you, you know so much about how these people are that seeing them interact with each other and with strangers, uh, becomes its own kind of special delight. And if that's what makes shows like that difficult to recommend, because what you're really saying to somebody is develop my sense of taste about something and then dedicate months to, <laughs> to seeing why I'm so clever about this. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So it sounds like I, I don't, I, I don't. Okay. So I, I, I want to talk about your, your topic 
uh, can you tell me what the topic is and help me understand? You put a lot of Amazon links uh, in the show notes. What, what is it we're talking about today? You talk well, we're talking about comics. Yeah, I mean, it, it could it could just be a, a segment, but uh, I think you put a it, lot of notes in here. There's a lot of comics to talk about. Well, yeah, I put this is almost like this is almost like your holiday guide. My my holiday guide. You know, you know, you're the one of the people I was making fun of with the buy a camera thing. Me? You, well, you you amongst many of my friends. The uh, Gruber too. Gruber big time. I never recommend any cameras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know anything about cameras. Yeah, there are a lot of links. I'm looking through them now. Well, a lot of what you're seeing there in the in the links are going to be if if one of the comic books that I recommended has like volumes a few volumes i would put the first two or three in there but what i i I guess it was either last week's show or the one before that where we were talking about oh i was saying what are you reading what do you like somebody asked us about that yeah Yeah. and uh, i noticed that people were tweeting about it as well uh just sort of saying like you know what what should i get into and there was a time i guess maybe about three years ago when I was reading, I mean, I was reading everything like like crazy, you know, after the new 52 had sort of settled down and the titles that they decided to keep were, were there and still pretty strong. And right, right, there right. were some things going on in Marvel that were kind of interesting to me. And then a whole bunch of indie stuff. I was I was like consuming everything. And then things just wound up getting so busy and I just scaled back and eventually just kind of fell off completely from what I'd been, you know, what I'd been reading and some of the titles I'd been reading the the. The writers changed or the artists changed. And like, I know people that don't care. They just, they stay with it. But for me, I mean, a lot of the draw is the writer and it is the artist. And it, yeah. it's something that, you know, like if, if they change the primary artist and I'm not a fan of that style, I even know, if the style is amazing, like and I even, can't. Even if you care a lot about the story and you're very invested, you just, there's, there's something about some, I'm just, I don't, I'm not trying to be that guy, right. but like there are so many people who color on a computer and it's, it's gorgeous or it's perfect for the medium. Like something like, like, uh, I guess Laura Allred or Mike Allred, like what they do with the way that they do computer coloring, it's perfect for the medium. And you go like, that looks so great. It's flat. It's gorgeous. There's some stuff though that is just, I just, it's too much. It yeah. looks like something from the nineties. It's no, just like, I know, I know it's a style now. And I, I went back, I was rereading some of the Messiah uh, trilogy recently, which I loved so much, the X-Men Messiah books. Um, and like, it's cause you know, it is a big, it was a big arc and it covered a lot of different properties, but you know, I remember loving uncanny X-Force. Was it? No, no, it was cable, cable and X-Force because it had some really good Deadpool stuff in it. But I, I just, I went back and I like, I didn't love the style. Mm. It was kind of neat because like one thing that's neat with an arc like that is that I think the artists, stay with me on this, but the artists get some latitude with what everybody looks like. For example, in some, some of the ones from Messiah, what was it from Messiah Complex maybe? So, um, oh, who's our buddy we like? Uh, the Spider-Man cartoony guy. Ramos. Ramos did some of those. Takes extreme liberties with what people oh, look like. Oh, yes, hope, he does. hope looks hope looks entirely different from comic to comic. Yeah, but I love that. Like she's always a little kid in these comics, but she looks great. But um, and that that actually makes it kind of fun if you can stick with it. And I, I I imagine that's confusing for some people when when artists change. But I'm with you. You know, it's I I really notice the art a lot more now than I used to. I used to just read it like a book. I just like read the balloons and right, 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 right. No, I mean, it's, I remember when I had started getting back into comics for the first time after taking a break from it for many years, how I really, how I felt like, I mean, now we look back at the artwork from the sixties. We look at, you know, Ditko's Spider-Man, which we can, we can talk about more in a minute. 
And I look at this kind of art, and it's like classic art, and I have a whole different – even this stuff in the 80s, the Secret Wars time, which we've talked about as being, at least I think for me, I think it was for you, a time when we were able to sort of jump into things again. The original one? The original one. And that's that's Mike Zach, right? Yeah. That, and guy's, that guy's got a really cool look. I like I look at that stuff, and I love it now even more than I loved it then, but now there's so much out there that – I, I just, I don't know, and I forget who it was I was talking to, but I was saying, oh, I think they were talking to me about the Secret Wars. And I'm like, you know what? Even, there's like, oh, give the story a chance. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And I said, you know, I can't get past some of the artwork. That's a style to me that I, I acknowledge is in, incredibly great. Oh. It's incredible. The, the, the current, the, the recent Secret like the, the, yes. it's fairly like realistic. Yes. Like Tony, like he looks like a like a guy. And I just something about that style, I acknowledge and, and of course recognize the incredible talent of the artists creating that. And I don't mean right. to say anything disparaging it, it, other than uh, like I'm not a fan of that. And that's enough to make it difficult for me to, to, to get into the story or into the book or into something like that. And it's – I kind of wish I, I, I didn't have that limitation because I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there I'd really enjoy – but then sometimes I'll, I'll see something, I'll see the art and I'll be like, ah. And I remember that, especially when Ramos was doing like the amazing Spider-Man for a while and they bring someone else in to do it because he's a busy guy and he would have to do a cover for something cool or whatever. And he, he can't I understand that he can't like draw every single Spidey comic in the world that comes out. So bring someone else in, even if it's a storyline that like he drew issue, you know, 301 and 302, someone else is drawing it. Like, I'd almost be like, I can't wait for him to come back. Like, I'm just, I know. it's almost like they have a different Darren, but you know, the different Darren's only going to be there for a couple episodes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I felt that I, 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 is it okay if we talk about this a little bit now and then come back to it? Cause this, would yeah. be, this is going to be, this is going to be a big talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt that way with Hawkeye. Like, I really, I like Annie Wu a lot. And I liked, uh, was that Franco, Franco Villa? Uh, all those different artists that would get, you know, because I think, you know, David, aha, uh-huh, like I think he, it takes him a while to do stuff. I think that was a kind of a known public issue yeah. is that for whatever reasons, like it takes a while, that art takes a long time. Um, but like, I guess I feel like there's sometimes where like there's an artist where I may not like what they do, but I respect it and I can definitely like identify it. You know, there are some where I can definitely see it and I don't like it, Rob Liefeld and Greg Land. But, uh, but there are, <laughs> but just, you know, it's a matter of taste, but yeah, some people are so suited to like telling a story. That the, another thing, I just I feel like I keep constantly reappreciating Jack Kirby, just because oh, yeah. like there are people like F- Jack Kirby and I think to an extent Frank Miller that like understood this medium in a way that other people like Frank Miller in terms of especially like layouts, like the elegance of his layouts and the way he would do. You know what I mean? Like yes. the kind of same size panels, and he would just he would just tell such a classic story with often like very little. Uh, dialogue did did in that case for Jim Steranko but like you go look at Jack Kirby like there and I'm not like a comics historian but my sense is like when you look at any Jack Kirby thing there's everybody's always in motion it doesn't look like they're frozen like mm. they're posing in like a life drawing class they look like they really are in motion like they're coming at you you know and I I it was really I don't know if it was unique for the time but like I think that's one of the most influential things like you know Steve Ditko draws people with big heads <laughs> yeah. Jack, Jack Kirby draws these people who like the Hulk really looks like he's coming at you. Man. Oh yeah. I love it. And I, I mean, I love, I love that style, but it, what I, what I feel like is that as you are reading this story with a writer and then you're 
you're seeing these images, it's almost like they become the actor or the actress or whatever for that character. And then to have it change, it really does feel like different. Like it feels oh, like a, a different story. To, really good way to put it. Like your Darren analogy. Oh right. man, this thing you sent is, this Isn't is that so awesome. Jack, it's so Jack Kirby. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. We should put that in, I'll put that in show notes. Um, so I got a little bit of, um, a forward matter. Uh, if you don't mind before yeah. we get into that, um, how far in are we? Do you want to tell me about something you like? Sure. Let me tell you about FreshBooks. If you are a freelancer or a small business owner or somebody who, for whatever reason, has to invoice other people or track expenses, there is nothing better in the whole world than FreshBooks. That's what their job is. They make creating invoices really, really simple. And by simple, I mean it takes like 30 seconds or less to create and send a really polished invoice. There's so much behind the scenes, though, that, that this does. There are serious benefits to this. Not only will you save a lot of time, you're going to reduce a ton of frustration. You don't have to have like a separate app to generate invoices and then an email thing to send them. And then you wonder, oh, man, did, did they get it? What happened if they get We had a thing come up because we use FreshBooks here where we had invoiced somebody and there was a mistake in the invoice. We'd actually, you know, I think they wanted to get two episodes or something and we put in three. There's a little button that they can click to dispute the invoice. And oh, put I didn't in, know that. Yeah, That's so cool. They'll put in a comment as to like what it was and you can look at it and you can say, oh, you're right. And put a comment back to them and change it and send it again. And then they like, they approve it and send it. It's like GitHub for money. <laughs> I like that. I've accepted your pull request. <laughs> But there's so much they've thought of for this. I mean, you can do things like customize the invoice and set up your logo and your color scheme and all that stuff. That's all built in. They've thought of all that. But it's like you. the, the great thing is you can look at the invoice and you can see when they've received it. You know, it shows that it was viewed and when it was viewed and how many times they viewed it if they've looked at it multiple times. That's really useful in helping you get paid faster. And that's what it's all about is like, I want to know when I'm getting paid. When am I getting paid? And it's it, they've they've figured out all of those tricky issues. You see everything in one place. You know how much money you're you're expecting to get, when you're going to get it by. You can archive and delete things. You can create multiple items so that if you're billing the same way for certain tasks, you can go in and edit your tasks and set an amount associated with them. I mean, like literally everything they've thought of everything. So, what should you do? You should go to freshbooks.com/backtowork. FreshBooks is giving all listeners of this of this show 30 days free to try it out. When you're signing up, there's a little how did you hear about us section. Put back to work in that section. That's how we get credit for your uh, for your referral. Let's them know these ads are working for you. And, uh, and I think you're really going to like FreshBooks. That's all we use here. We love it. Great customer service. Go check it out. FreshBooks.com slash back to work. Love them. Thanks, FreshBooks. Thank you. Um... Uh, just a few quick things. Um, for once, we scheduled this thing with a little bit of uh, time out. So please mark your calendars, everybody in San Francisco. Uh, if you are a, uh, a friendly nerd, please come out to Ungainly X, X-Man Meetup number 13. It's going to be Lucky at, 13. Lucky 13. Look it up. Coming out to uh, Two Cats Comics on West Portal Avenue. It's April 7th, Thursday, April 7th from 730 to 9. Uh, it's a really fun thing. Uh, we've talked about it before. But, you know, if you're around and you're in town, please stop by. Uh, you don't have to be a comics nerd. You can just be a regular nerd. Uh, we get to hang out and talk. You meet some very nice people. And uh, it's, a, it's a whole lot of fun. I'll, I'll mention it again, but just quickly in passing, since we did finally schedule one of these <laughs> sooner than two weeks before it happens. Yeah, come out to uh, West Portal, uh, 320 West Portal Ave, Two Cats Comics. They're the best. Any, anyone will tell you they are super duper nice, helpful, 
uh, non-condescending nerds. There's like four of them in the whole world. Are there like beverages and stuff? Or there, You can't have drinks in the store, which oh. I think is smart. The store is very, very clean. Uh, but uh, then we go and uh, we get a beverage afterward. And okay. it's this bar, it's this Irish bar uh, that uh, is dog friendly. So there's dogs in there. You can pet a dog while you're in there. It's pretty great. And there's these, always these huge dogs, just like hound dogs. They have hound dogs in the bar. It's amazing. That, How's, you do your that How's your new cat? She's fine. She's fine. She's, she's really warming up to me. She was chasing invisible things last night. So I think she's really warming up that to us. That means she's feeling comfortable at home. I think so. She hops in the air sometimes for yep. no reason. Yep. She looks like a little goat. <laughs> Uh, very quickly in passing, uh, something uh, in, in, I don't want to go too deep on the uh, TV thing because we've been talking about it so much, but oh, yeah. I, I think you heard about this too. Something that's, we, we, so Dan and I have been on this quest and I want to clarify my quest because I had to explain this uh, to, to a couple people. Uh, the TV quest for me is is not just to find the clever way to do things without paying for it. It's, it's not I don't even mind the paying for stuff. What I'm trying to do is to the extent possible, get the content I'd like to get in an easy and mostly economical way whilst minimizing the number of new devices I have to have. Mm. And I'm willing to acquire some devices if it obviates the need for other devices. Yeah. But uh, one of, the, one of the, the holy grail in this for us, we've been trying to find the, for our particular needs, what's the best way to have uh, DVR functionality for over-the-air TV, right? Fair right. enough? Yep. Have you, been, have you heard about the Tableau? You've probably yes, seen some people I saw mention some this. people talking about that. Yeah, I was ready to sign on the line that's dotted, but it's out of stock on the Amazon right now. Really? Um, but it's, it's kind of costly, but I thought I'd give it a throw. Um, and I, I, it has several people have written to us. Thank you very much to tell us about this. Uh, and I, you know, it's got a, uh, a way to see it on Apple TV. Just want to toss that out there. Something to keep an eye on for everybody who's recommending the TiVos, the TiVos, I'm not, I'm not dead set against the TiVos. It would be a very single purpose thing for me. I guess there's a way for me to get that on Apple TV. I don't want to have to do airplay to do it. And I don't relish the idea of paying $15 a month for that. I am completely 1,000% opposed to TiVo, and I can, I can share why if you're interested. Well, I, I would love to hear. I mean, I, I have owned or companioned at least two TiVos, and I think if you've got satellite or cable, it's, and that's your primary device, like, screw the smart TV, screw the Apple TV, like, do everything on your TiVo, right? I mean, maybe eventually someday they'll get all the menus in HD and it'll be really great. But, um, no, TiVo's, TiVo's a lifestyle. That's an all-in thing, kind of like how I am with trying to be with the Apple TV. What is your objection to TiVo? Well, I, I agree with what you just said completely. I think if if you're a fan of TiVo and you like the lifestyle and you like using that as your device, more power to you. However, I think as an auxiliary device, it, it has no place in my ecosystem in any way. Um, I don't, no, it's another, it's another box I have to switch to. I think, I yes, mean, I guess and you know what, but here's the thing I, there, you have to pay a service. You either, I, I think, I don't know. I haven't, listen, I haven't researched this in a while. I should have bought that in 2001. I should have bought the lifetime. The lifetime thing gives you access so that you never have to pay another subscription fee and you can use your TiVo and you get the access to their service, which is a very handy thing. To me, TiVo f- feels like, uh, like again, if you're all in with it, great. But that's not what I'm trying to accomplish at really at all. I don't want to accomplish uh, that, that lifestyle because, again, like, like you just said, if you have a dish network, if you've got a satellite thing, if you've got cable, I think TiVo can make sense because it's, it's, it's much, much better than the It's, it's the only DVR way to fly stuff. in some yeah. ways. Like yeah. if you go to Weeknees, I think it's weeknees.tv, but you can Google Weeknees TiVo. The last one I bought was a super tricked out TiVo with, with, with I think... A, I want to say terabytes of data uh, of, of disks space. And you can get a, a bespoke 
custom TiVo that these folks will make for you. At least you could back in the day. I haven't explored this in two or three years. But that's a great way to go. And you get the multiple tuners and like, and like, like I think this is, well, I, I know that this is Syracuse's uh, preferred way because he can get all, with the exception of Apple content, everything he needs has an app on TiVo. Right. And even though he continues to be frustrated <laughs> because he's John. Oh no, I mean, it has not been, it has not, it's sort of like what a Mac mini where you're like, are you ever going to really, really, really make a good one of these? <laughs> that yeah. I can feel great about spending 500 or $600 on and know it'll work for five years. You know, it's still, it feels slow. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not trying to sound, you know, obdurate about it, but the benefit when I sit there, like I still, just three nights, three nights, three times a week, like, okay, Saturday night I was up and I was like, oh, I'll watch Ariana Grande on Saturday Night Live. I got to find 10 minutes to kill before the show starts because I'm stuck in this, you know, in this Trophamadorian time hole where I have to just stare at the TV till the show comes on. And oh my God, what a mess. <laughs> so much crap like i just don't want to be in for hundreds and hundreds of dollars for the benefit of recording like three shows that i want well that's the whole thing is that there's very very little that i really want to record on a regular ongoing basis once apart in a while, from special events and sports yes that's right and once in a while one of those things comes out and it's like well i'm not gonna buy a 300 hundred dollar device and pay a subscription service the whole idea is to get away from all of that and mm-hmm. it used to be as simple as just plugging something into your Mac. So what I've actually been researching is that uh, that device that I can't pronounce correctly and get lots of I get lots of emails. Is it Hopog? Oh, I think it's Hapagi. Hapagi. <laughs> and uh, so I want to get a Hapagi. And mm-hmm. apparently, mm-hmm. there's no drivers for Mac OS X, but there's plenty for Linux. So you can like do a Myth TV thing on a Linux box and plug it in. And yes, you can run Ubuntu Linux uh, just fine on a Mac Mini. So I may do that because I have this stuff. I'm willing to spend $59 to test this. I'll spend $59 and, and I, I'm in running Linux stuff all day long here, all day long. I spend probably two hours a day doing stuff on Linux. So it, for me to run this on a Mac mini is like no big deal. I've got the Mac mini. So I don't know, but I, I'm much more willing to spend an hour installing a couple packages on a Mac mini and configuring it and spending $59 and plugging this thing in to see if it will work. And if it doesn't send it back, it's Amazon, you know, then I would be to go and buy a TiVo because at the end of the day, all I want is for that a video file from the thing I've recorded to wind up on my Plex. That's it. Yeah. That's yep. all I want. <clears throat> I'm with you. Once a month, maybe once every couple months. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, we'll continue exploring that Tableau. Something to keep an eye on. Out of stock on the Amazon right now. Mm. I got to tell you, can I tell you about something? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, this is something. So you and I have been talking for a while about like, like you said in particular, I wish I could feel good about showing the Big Lebowski to my kid. Oh, I love this. Yes. So in my case, I've been like going, oh, you know, it's, it's such a bummer. She was really so excited at one point to see the Hunger Games. But and there's no way she was going to see that. Right. Turns out now she's not actually that into it. She, she says, I'm not into that kind of movie anymore. Okay. That's fine. Um, that doesn't break my heart. But uh, so numerous people sent us uh, links to various services that will provide you uh, edited streaming movies. I guess there's some, there's some that have been around for a while. It seems like most of them have a half-life of about two months before they get shut down. Right. There's, there, you, there was a whole company, I remember, that was mostly had a fairly Christian bent to it, I think. Like in a you know, conservative Christian bent was basically like, we'll take this video and cut everything out of it and send you this DVD. And I think they got the kibosh. Okay, so one of the ones that someone recommended me that I just had to try for a variety of reasons is called VidAngel. 
V-I-D, Angel. Vid Angel. Vidy well. Can I tell you a little bit about Vid Angel? Yes. Okay. I experimented with this uh, and, and okay, did the so same you... thing that you did. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my goodness. Okay, so you go to VidAngel. There's several things about this that are super interesting. One thing is that they claim you go in, you, you get an account at this place. Here's thing number one about this that is very interesting. So VidAngel, the, 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 the top level on VidAngel is, hey, you can get these movies and based on your own interest, tastes, and repulsions, be able to get a bespoke version of this, uh, of, of a movie streamed to you. Yep. Regardless of what the rating is, you go in and you say, uh, like, I cannot tolerate hearing ass mm. or I don't want uh, homosexual kissing or I don't want heterosexual, like, you know, nudity sex or whatever. Anyway, you can go in at a high level, you go in and set these basic things. And then you can also, per film, go in and identify these kinds of things. Uh, this is accomplished through a kind of, I guess, crowdsourcing. It's, I guess maybe it's telling that their FAQs don't appear to be public. Yeah. I, I, I've sent screenshots, screenshots to a friend of mine that works at Lucas just to show him how bananas this thing is. Um, but basically, they, people watch these movies and they're, they have a name for this. But their rule of thumb is like they don't want anybody helping identify content in this movie unless it's a movie they wanted to watch anyway. So it's a crowdsourcing thing where people go in and they identify all the timestamps, I guess where there's a given curse word, where there's a given kind of like from this point to this point in the movie, there's nudity, et cetera, et cetera. And as you saw, it, it is what you'd say like surprisingly granular. Yes. I mean, down to stuff I wouldn't even have thought of. Yeah. I'm trying to think I had, I posted something about this, about the big Lebowski. Because uh, that was the first movie that I went to, of course. Of course. So, okay. So, so that's the basic idea. So that's, that's an interesting idea, but I'm thinking like, oh, I don't want to go sign up for a thing. So cr crazy thing. Number one is you just go in and get an account to start. And you are required to go in and set your default filters. This becomes important in a minute. Now, here's the way this works. It's $1 to stream <laughs> an SD movie yeah. and $2 to stream an HD movie. Okay? <laughs> but here's how this works. So you know this, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. This is this is just I cannot believe this exists. You go into this so when you go and you say for example, let you say I want to watch uh Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Was that one here? Yeah. Now it does not have every single movie. No, it absolutely does not, but it has everything from G to R-rated movies. Yeah. The thing is, it's kind of brilliant in the sense that like yeah, it doesn't really matter like what kind of movie it is as long as you flag this correctly. Very important side note here. For reasons I can guess, not everything can be cut out. I'm thinking if there are things that are super critical to the plot, or for some reason there's some things where they will very clearly mark, hey, we can't cut this particular thing out. But I guess the reason, I'm not, a, not an attorney, but I think the, one of the reasons you have to do this default thing is, here's what you do. You go in and you say, I want to watch The Big Lebowski. Okay, sounds good. And what you do is you go click the button and say, okay, I want to go um, rent this movie. Or, But what you're doing is, you're buying the movie. You, you, your credit card gets charged $20. No big deal. But this is the way this works. So you get charged $20. And guess what? Now that you quote unquote own, own that copy, right. now that you own that copy of the movie, they are able and actually required, I guess, to, to get around some prior art thing. Now, <laughs> they, but they, with their edits and bleeps and everything, not bleeps, but you know, with the editing out that is done, now that, because they're doing that to your movie, it's, I guess, legit. It's, it's okay, right. 
So that's like already this is kind of crazy. The fact that this exists, the fact that somebody has taken this amount of effort to apply in, in the case of the Big Lebowski, up to 436 different filters you can run on this movie. And, and the amazing part is I'm looking at the screenshot here. You can see where it's, there's a section called, you'll see a little like uh, graphical uh, thing of what you'll hear and what you'll see. And it shows you all the places where things are cut out. So you just rented the Big Lebowski for $2. And I haven't tried this yet, but like I get, can you kind of, you can kind of keep it around for as long as you want because you own it. Right. Because you bought the movie. You bought the then, movie. But then guess what? You can have a setting and this can be an automatic setting and it's called sellback. So when you're done watching the movie that you've <laughs> bought, right. you automatically can sell it back and get $18 back. So you paid $20 technically to buy it. And then they charge you a $2 rental fee and refund $18 to apply to credit on other movies. Am I explaining that? Yes, that is correctly. exactly perfect. And there's like so many things about that where like, I'm glad it exists, but like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. So you can go in and in the case of, uh, so one of the things you can do, you can say, I don't want to see opening credits. I don't want to see closing credits. They have a special section under miscellaneous just for, Jar Jar Binks slash new scenes from episodes four to six. Right. And in the case of Attack of the Clones, there's 24 filters that it will apply. Anytime Jar Jar Binks is on screen, you can have him removed. That's right. And so it just skips over that scene. And isn't that so, great? Did you try watching The Big Lebowski like no, this? No, I haven't done it yet, but I had it all set up. But I, I saw you tweet about it right when I was doing it. And I said, oh, I'm going to let Merlin get pig this for me. Well, I mean, the short version is I did that as a ha-ha joke because right. I knew it would be inscrutable. Right. And it is. There's not even a bleep. It just, it knocks out the audio for each of the curses. Right. Um, and I haven't gotten to a part where there's lots of whole scenes being cut out, but I have to tell you, I can imagine this. I haven't tried this extensively. I tried this with a little bit of the Hunger Games and I've tried this with a little bit of the Big Lebowski. But I'll tell you, for the purposes you and I are talking about, like take a movie that is... 90% okay mm -hmm. and and cut out some scenes where somebody's hand gets cut off like I, I can get with that yeah I mean you know and do you think it would translate well uh you know for for a first watch for somebody like a kid that you might want you know it's not I mean it's not ideal but uh I don't I mean and again this is fucking <laughs> it's John Circuit you know what I am we're recording a new reconcilable difference I will I will ask tonight I will ask his opinion of this but my feeling is you know crap kids watch they're not going to notice if they don't see a hand cut off they're not going to know the difference right but anyway it is wow what a hack and, and uh what an interesting and amazing hack and i can't believe it's available you you buy the movie for 20 dollars, then sell it back to them you get 18 dollars in credit now we did get an email from somebody i forget what country he was in or he was from but he was he was commenting that where he's from they don't really care so much about the cursing and kids hear what they're going to hear and it is kind of no big deal. But I think something like this has its place. And I think there's a lot of people that at least, you know, want to try and minimize how much their kids are exposed to this stuff. And I, I'm so you, are you saying I should go ahead and try this? Cause he really wants to see the big Lebowski. Like, is it worth it? Well, I mean, what I would always suggest is you should try it first. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to cost you that much to find right, out. Right. Right. <sighs> That's the other part is like, yeah, you go to iTunes and rent something, it's five bucks and you have to watch it mostly within 24 hours yeah. of the starting it. And it's like, that's, ooh. so also, hey, guess what? Go apply one filter to this that you don't really care about and you're now, you've now got a $2 movie. Right. That's so insane. Yeah. Anyway, I don't imagine it'll be around for that that long, but it seems like a pretty above board operation. Uh, who knows? 
anyway, I thought that was interesting. I want to reiterate or maybe try to clarify something I, I tried to get at last time, but I just want to be clear here. I, I think it's, I, people have their reasons why they do and don't want certain things in their house. I was just thinking about this today, how crazy this election year is because, and I was trying to think of there's a, what's the opposite of an anti-hero. You think about those movies in the seventies about these, you know, like, like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver or whatever, you know, or for that matter, you know, um, Michael Corleone, the mm. idea of the, the whole idea of the anti-hero. Yeah. I'm just thinking about today. It's so interesting where like the, it's so difficult to know, to say with any kind of confidence, like that you agree with any politician or any party about anything. It's getting harder and harder for me. There's not, there's not any one candidate right now where I'm like totally for or against them. I mean, even, even all down to the biggest ding-a-ling, they have something interesting to say. But also like, how do you just say, okay, I'm just going to vote for the Republican? Well, boy, you might be voting for a real different Republican than you expected. Yeah. Or, you know, you go like, gosh, isn't it funny that there's a Venn diagram where there are a few issues where Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are in agreement? Like, how bananas is that? Yeah. That just shows you how crazy things are today. But the, my point being, unless you are just a strident... um polemical person who has some ax to grind, uh, it's very difficult to say you have one feeling about anything. And I think that's true with things like media too. So why do I say that? Well, the idea of not seeing, and I don't want to be too precious about this, but the idea of not exposing your kids to like sexual assault in a movie, like there's all kinds of reasons to not want to do that. Absolutely. And the thing is somebody who is, you know, an LDS person in Utah might tick off that box just as much as somebody, uh, a new parent in Brooklyn would tick off that box. Great point. That's a really great point. And so, yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to counsel that like, don't, I would not, and maybe this is a point of view I wouldn't have had 10 years ago, but I would not just look down your nose and say, oh, anybody who wants this is some kind of a scoundrel who wants censorship. No, it's not that. I mean, it's, but you know, uh, life is complicated and nuanced and we all have our different tastes about things. And is this, is this optimal and ideal? No, no. I, ideally, I guess you should get to see The Godfather in 1972. But like, I don't have a time machine in $3. Right. So like, I, I have to deal with what I've got today. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting to keep in mind. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's not ideal. But, uh, but you know, then again, how many movies that you love now did you see for the first time on television as a kid? like edited to shreds yeah. with commercials in it. So yeah. what now retro retroactively, now that you've seen the real version in Blu-ray, you, you, you hate the movie because you realize, no, I mean, it's not how it works. No. And you're making a really good point. So much of what we saw, I mean, I remember the first time vividly, the first time that I saw the shining was late at night, awake, well past my bedtime on probably a Saturday night. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And it wait, was wait, wait, what's the movie? The Shining. Oh come on! Yeah, and it was, <gasps> but it was on TV on a regular TV channel that you would like show like a horror film on Saturday night, you know. And it was completely. It was back in the days when things would be overdubbed, and they would be horribly overdubbed. And there's you would it. It was like if I was doing a terrible uh, Jack impersonation. <laughs> and and they only grabbed one word that I said. And so I remember there's there's the line where he's sitting there in the hotel. He's at the bar. He wants a drink. He sits down and uh, the bartender Jeeves, I think, uh, shows up. And he's talking to him and he's talking about his son and he's saying, I would never hurt him. And he said, I just remember this line vividly. He says, I love the son of a buck. <laughs> and it was the funniest <laughs> line to me as a son kid. of a book, buck, son of a buck, son of a buck. 
Oh, dear. And, like, I knew that wasn't what he said. And the voice was, it sounded like, you know, someone completely different saying like that. Like Godzilla-level yes. ADR. Yeah. And, but, like, I watched so many movies that way. And that was my first memory. And I can't watch that scene now in the movie without remembering that. Probably ten and a half years old when I saw that. Well, yeah. And, I mean, another another objection for people. And, I, you know... I don't. I don't think I have any particular beef with anybody's taste or point of view on this. If I do, I, I. I. I don't know. I feel like I've got a pretty open mind about this. We should each do what we think is right or appropriate or meets with our own taste and values. Right. I think. Um, but like, I, you know, of course, if you have any opinion, people have to come and like then ask you like to defend why you have that opinion. So you know, some people are saying, "Oh, do you imagine like this is going to keep your kids away from hearing or knowing these words?" And if that is important, then why would you show this to them? Because they're going to figure it out anyway. Well, no. Oh, first of all, do you have a kid? Because <laughs> because the thing is, what I don't want to do, I don't want my kid to hear that word over hear, hear what I would call inside words. I don't want to hear that her to hear that over and over to where that seems normal. Not because I'm prude, but just because I think she should have time to be a kid who's yeah. in that wonderful twilight of knowing those words, but not feeling like it's something she's comfortable saying all the time. There's all kinds of things like that where, like, there's all kinds of stuff that she can infer or guess about life that, like, I think it's good for her to have some time to mull over, like, what that means before somebody shows her a freaking diagram. Yeah. Um, that's, that's like how you become a person. You become a slightly confused person, but like, that's, you know, there's some things that we don't, you don't need to know the, the full answer to, to that yet. But that doesn't mean, it means neither that I will try to shelter, shelter you from experience and exposure to all things, like, nor will I, you know, to the extent possible, sit here and like stage manage, you know, some acceptable story about how it works. I have to do that a little bit in order to like watch anything on TV. Yeah, you have to do a yeah, little bit yeah, of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I will say what I've said to a lot of people many, many times, which is so, you know, frequently people will say, well, you know, uh, this hound thing you keep recommending is not available in Europe. And so my, my inclination is to say, well, I'll be sure and change that for you. <laughs> yeah. Or my other inclination is to say, well, then that sounds like something you probably can't use right now. Yeah. <laughs> like what? So <laughs> what array, what list should I consult to like, make sure that this will work for literally everybody who has exposure to anything that I say, or you could just say, maybe that's not for me, or maybe that can't be for me. You know, one person was frustrated that hound wanted them to use a tutorial. He said, I got this hound. Now it wants me to do a tutorial before I use it. And I said, well, well I mean, you should know. Maybe, maybe try maybe try the tutorial. By, by now, you should know that you cannot make a recommendation unless literally every single human on the planet should kind of have access to it and use it and would will feel the same about it than you. I mean, this 2016. Yeah. Uh, it's true. You can't. Yeah. But I was, I was saying this to Max yesterday. Uh, Max, uh, who I do Top Scallops with, one of my co-hosts on Top Scallops came to the office. We recorded together. He's in town for a conference. Oh, and fun. We're just talking about, we ended up talking because, you know, he helped create Cards Against Humanity. He's got a lot of thoughts about like things like creativity and writing humor. And I was just saying like, I, I feel like, you know, the more you try to create something that either A, appeals to everyone and or B doesn't confuse or offend anyone. Right. Like, boy, what business is that that you want to be in? And this kind of goes back to that old South by Southwest talk with John Gruber, because this is a thought that means a lot to me. It's like, you got to see the face, see the face of who you want to delight with this. And then maybe don't worry so much about the millions of other faces that won't be delighted by that. Like, should we all feel the need to explain our tastes and our interests and our peculiarities to everybody? Will those people not sleep well tonight, not understanding this joke and not knowing that they could just Google it? Like, well, that's, that's part of what humor is. I like putting in a joke that three people will get. 
and it could be, you know, three people get this joke, three people get that joke. It could be nobody gets that joke, but I made it because it's the joke that I wanted to make. And I, I wish we could all get to a level of comfort. And you can hear me struggling with it right now because it gets frustrating. If you're having a bad day and everybody out there is trying to ask you to explain why you do what you do, it gets frustrating. But at the heart of it, my, my more core value is if you're not into something, is there a way you could just not pursue that? And that would be okay. Do, do you really, does there need to be a medium post about that? Yeah. Could that just be a thing where you just do something different? People have to, they like to share. This is the culture of sharing everything. Have you ever used Snapchat? Mm-mm. I, uh, I met a friend of mine who's here in town for uh, South by Southwest and a couple of other things. And I talked to him and he told me how he was using Snapchat. And it's, you know, he loves it. He's on there. He's, he's engaging with lots of people. And he was, he and his sort of crew of people was insistent that I give it a shot, that I try it. And I, it's one of those things you really have to use to understand, right? Yeah, it really is. And I told him, I said, you know, this is the first software application program, whatever you want to call it, app. The first thing in, in my whole life, going back to when I first started using computers, probably in like 82, so this is the first time that I've looked at an, uh, an application and I said, I, I can't make heads or tails of this. And he said, all right, show me how you would use it. So I kind of walked through. I'm like, here's this thing. I see this. I don't know what that means. I'll tap it. I'm here now. I have to get back. I have to, you know, and he, he enjoyed this sort of walk through. I'm clicking, I'm looking, I'm, you know, but, but he kind of said, okay. <laughs> it's like one of those watching, watching a kid try to use like an eight track or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how I felt. Uh, or more like me trying to pilot the space shuttle without ever having, you know, set foot in one before. And and right. he said, you know what? He said, most of the things that you've tried, like, you actually got it right. This is, I said, but it, it it it's not logical and it doesn't make sense and it's not thought out. He's like, that's accurate. You're right. These are just, you just need to know these are how you do it. Like, for example, to put a filter over a picture or a video, you swipe to do that doesn't matter if you swipe right or left. That's how you do it. Oh, and if you want to uh, like add one of those little funny animated things where it makes the person's face become a dog's face where every time you open your mouth, the tongue comes out because that's uh, yeah. what people want to do. Like yeah. to do that, of, of course, you just hold down on your face while you're making the video. Of, of course, you would know that. So it's like there's a lot of that. But once you learn it, it's okay. So I, I learned it and I was using it. And after using it for a few days, I was like, this is kind of like, it's terrible. I don't really like it, but I feel like I gave it a fair shot. But this goes back to like, to like what you're saying about the oversharing thing. Like there are so many avenues now for people to share different things, pretty much every aspect of their whole life. But a lot of the time you're sharing it with, um, with, with strangers, you know, and, and it, not strangers like listeners. We don't, we don't, I don't know about you. I don't know every single person who listens to this show. I don't know yeah, all of them. I used to, I used to, you know. yeah. But like, I feel like I have a connection with them or they can like have a connection with, with me. But like, if you're a woman who starts using Snapchat and I know one who started using it, she started getting a lot of like weird mm -hmm. Snapchats from people that she didn't know. And like, that's a very different experience than the one I had on it where pretty much there's nobody no way, saw no anything I was doing. Even, even if she spent like two weeks explaining that to you, right, there's yeah, still no way. And I'm going to use that phrase to, to appreciate her lived experience of right. what it's actually like to be that person and be who you are. Yeah. You so know I don't know. I mean? Like I, there's just, there, it's just weird to me. 
Yeah. And I think about it in a very different way now than with, you know, having kids, one of whom is a girl than I did, you know, before, oh, absolutely. You know, before absolutely. I was a parent. Absolutely. You know, but you know, another one of these, um, funny parental things where, you know, I, I feel like there's not that much I've been like, I've got consistently, I don't want to say right, but I've, I've kind of ended up guessing right about. Yeah. And one of the things I think I've mostly guessed right about was the most blindingly obvious thing, which is that, like, I'll always be a little bit behind about understanding what's happening. Like as soon as I think I understand what's been happening with my relationship or with the kid or whatever, like at the point when I'm feeling confident about what's going on, mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance that something else is already happening. <clears throat> so that could be something like, you know, we used to, um, I mean, I think she, one reason she enjoys comics is because I enjoy comics and I yeah. put comics in front of her a lot. And so, but like, if she's not into that tonight or if she's, if she doesn't have an interest in watching this movie, she shouldn't even see like, uh, like, is that something that I'm supposed to take personally? Well, no, it's not. Cause let's go back to why I'm here. I'm here to help to like, to help, to know when to help and when to get out of the way Yeah. in terms of letting her become an adult. Cause really a, a little kid is, is. It's just a little, a little adult becoming an adult a little bit more at a time. And so, but you know, people like me get sentimental and cling to this idea of the little kid who needs us for these things or who, whose taste will be governed by what it is that we happen to like or whatever. So anyway, that's, that's all everybody knows that. But, um, I guess I just feel like when you reach a certain age, a certain age that somebody like me is at, I think one of the most surprising and difficult things that people will explain this to you over and over you could be hearing this for 50 years and you still won't really understand it until it happens to you is that you do enter, you hear about the demographics that are very influential or you hear about the demographics, meaning like certain ages from this age to that age. They're very desirable people because they have disposable income and they're reachable via this certain means. And we know that they will spend money on thus and such kinds of things. So, you know, uh, the market for people who want like, you know, 60 ounce energy drinks, that's a pretty hot market for people in their early twenties, mm-hmm. not so much people in their late eighties. Like there's obvious things like that, but the dawning realization for me is, and I'm trying to, to adopt this with some class and humility uh, as part of this larger project I'm working on uh, as a person is to go like, well, uh, you know, I'm, I am just another white guy who's been really lucky and it's time for me and a lot of people like me to start accepting that I between society and demographic changes, I am increasingly, I'm increasingly not a person whose opinion everybody needs to hear about stuff all the time. Uh-huh. And boy, I really just feel like that's such a small thing, but think about that. D- does everybody need to hear my opinion about this particular thing? There's some things where I'm fine. Obviously, I wouldn't have a job if I uh, right. did do that. But there's certain kinds of things where you're like, you know what, uh, if you've got a, not you, but if one has an extremely strong opinion about social media apps that got created in the last month, uh, you may be fooling yourself to think anybody really cares what you think about that. Because not only is it, it's not for you, it was never for you, and they don't need you to like it. And that's when you become the old man yelling at a cloud, is, is when you, you imagine that you still have a prestigious influence over an area of life that has moved on that mm. you're not really part of anymore. You're not in that demo. You're not, your demo is becoming less interesting to people every day. And I think that's, that's an, that is an opportunity for growth and humility is to realize, well, then like, where are the things? I mean, there's a reason everybody gets old and then starts a charity because they go, Oh, I guess, uh, I guess people, uh, people don't want to make out with me in a bar anymore. I might as well help humanity. 
So I don't know. I just think that's something to keep in mind. It's part of, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing you because I agree. I don't understand it at all. But like part of that is like, I don't need to understand that. It's not for me. It could be for me if I really dedicate myself. I slap on the beetle wig and start figuring out how all these apps work. <laughs> like, hey, look at me. I can do the boogaloo or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, but, and you know what? That's, you're saying something I think that's important. And that is, you know, maybe it isn't for you. Maybe it isn't for me. And that's perfectly okay. And are we missing out on something? Well, yeah. I mean, we are missing out on it, but that's okay too. You know, like the idea that we've seen this thing and maybe we tried it or maybe it, we didn't. And it's just, you know, I remember when uh, Friends was on TV and I remember talking to my mom and I was like, Ma, are you watching Friends? She's like, no. I'm like, how can you not be? It's the best show ever. How can you not be watching Friends? And she's like, it's not for me. I'm like, well, it might be if you gave it a chance. And she's like, it's just not for me. You At know? which point you feel like you want her to explain why it's not for her. Right. How could that be? It's right. for everyone. It's friends. Right. Like that's a show for all all humans. If they watched it, would like it, you know. And uh, but, if you, but if you listen, <laughs> if you really listen to what people are saying, I feel like you you if you listen instead of imagining what people are saying, right. which is something that I I should get better at as well. Like you hear people saying, you know, like, well, all these people are using this app, and I think it's dumb, and it's going to lead to the downfall of society. Well, like, who asked you? Like, yeah, <laughs> did did somebody climb up the mountain and like bring the Edelweiss to you to ask you what your opinion is of Snapchat? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And you can opine and medium about this as long as you want. But the truth is nobody cares because they don't. Why would they care what you think? If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But, you know, it's that's part of the the hopefully the grace of getting a little bit older is accepting that the world is not about you. And then, in fact, it never really was about you. Yeah. You felt like it was about you because that's what it, that's what you that's a big, important uh, part of becoming an arrogant uh, person in their 20s is believing the world is about you. But like the more it becomes incredibly clear that the world is not really about you, uh, it's, it's a pretty startling experience. I should try Snapchat, though. I mean, try it and see if it is for you. <laughs> you may love it. You may want to engage on there. All oh, can, the time. I, can I engage with brands on there? Actually, that's one of the big things of Snapchat is, uh, and I, I did, I did this. You swipe if you swipe enough to the left, then uh, then you'll eventually be able to get to a screen that has a list of logos on top of it. Hmm. And you, if you tap one of those, you get to watch what to me appeared to be a commercial, a nonstop commercial. And in fact, that, that what that was, was there was some kind of content. And I said to my friend, I said, what, what have I just done? And he said, you have just engaged with the brand. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like, that's, that's that. I don't, you know, it's a very interesting thing. But maybe I would suggest everyone give it a shot and see if they like it. Just like VidAngel. Mm, VidAngel. VidAngel. I have one more um, piece of... Uh... I want to respond to some some uh, a question from a listener that was emailed to us. Cool. Uh, but uh, how about before that, you tell me about something else that you like? I will tell you about something called Harry's. 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 Harry's is great. What they do Harry, is, Harry's is great. They make some razors. Check them out. Harry's.com. Thank, thank you very much. Bok, bok. <laughs> well, Five here's play the- German. You know, they like... <laughs> <laughs> they like the plates so much they bought the factory. That is what they did. You know, they, every everything uh, good comes in a set of, of three. I don't know if you know that. Like celebrity deaths? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, Mar- my, and my, my three sons? The month uh, of March, third month of the year. 
Oh, good and point. And this is also Harry's three-year anniversary as a business. Now, if, you are, if you're new to Harry's, they have extended a special deal to our listeners. And uh, what, what it is is they want you to try three of their expertly crafted five-blade German razors, a handle, and a shave cream uh, for just 10 bucks. This is a March uh, Madness thing, which I know you're familiar with. Oh, the madness is everywhere in March. Yes, that's what happens in, in March. So uh, you can go there and you can, you can check all of this amazing stuff out, harrys.com. As Merlin mentioned, there, is, there are the, the German-engineered five-blade cartridges, close, comfortable shave. You will not cut yourself. You will not get experience any razor burn. They're guaranteeing the quality of this, and they'll give you full refund if you're not happy for any reason. You get the factory direct prices because they have cut out the middleman. It ships right to your door. They sell their blades at half the price of, uh, of the leading brand. No more trips to the drugstore. No more blades locked behind a plexiglass case. Find mm. what you need. Check out 30 Seconds Flat, harrys.com. And you're going to get five bucks off your first order with the promo code COMICS because that's what our show is about. So remember that code COMICS and visit harrys.com. H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com, code comics when you check out. Thanks very much to Harry's for supporting this program. Merlin Mann. Merlin Mann. I'm a, I'm a fan. Of, of I'm a fan of man. I don't know that one. Ah, uh, Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. Is that Keanu Reeves? That is, uh, it is Keanu Reeves is in that. And, uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael but, Corleone. Michael Corleone. All grown up. Big boy now. Big kid. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, this is, I don't want this show to be all serious, but, uh, no. we're going to talk about comics. So I can be, um, we got a nice note from uh listener, Eric and the subject line was showing sincere appreciation. Uh, and Eric's question was, he's basically saying, he says, I start a new job. It's been a struggle. Anytime I get help, someone to help me and take time away from their real work, I end up saying something like, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to help. I say in a tone that I might use if they, <laughs> if they just given me a kidney. I mean it, and I'm really appreciative, but I'm not sure it comes through. That's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. So my question is, short of having an awkward conversation by asking if they understand the depths of my appreciation or buying them nice uh, gift to show it, how can I uh, get across how grateful I am? This goes for anything, like a friend helping with a task help from people at work or any other thing in life that really is a big help. I thought this was a very interesting question, a little bit, you know, not, not our usual thing, but I thought it was an interesting question because I wasn't, I had to think a little bit about the answer. Uh, do, do you think this is an interesting question? Yeah, I love this question. I'm very curious what your answer will be. First principles, Clarice. Uh, <laughs> I think the first thing to ask yourself or the first thing I, when he, when I was reading this and thinking about this this morning, the first thing, one of the first things I turned over in my head was, why do I feel the need to express this gratitude? And like, what is the, what is a, a successful outcome of having expressed this gratitude? I know this, this sounds like I'm being a little bit, you know, emotionally tone deaf. Like, why would I say thank you for something? I, I don't mean it like that. Mm -hmm. But like, if that's a struggle, then I think it helps to ask yourself like, okay, why am I doing this? What, what, what is there something I'm trying to get out of this? Or is there something I'm trying to impart to them? And the, the one thing I think about, because I feel the same way, like, why is it so important for somebody to know how I feel about something? In this case, it's a really nice feeling where you want somebody to understand how, how much, how they, I think what it comes down to for most good-hearted people is, no, like, really, you didn't realize how much you helped me with this thing or the way in which you helped me with this thing. So I'm going a little bit beyond just saying thank you to, I feel, I feel the need to let you know that you've done a very nice thing here that you may not even have realized. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. 
And part of the problem, I think, you, we joked about this at the top here, but part of the problem is that the ejaculatory exclamation mark it's just explosion, the inflation of emotion in the way that we communicate with each other. And whatever, it's part of parlance now. Like if you don't end your text with with a you know a uh, exclamation part mark, people think you're angry. Yeah, you use a period. Like this is a thing that I'm trying to get used to. Mm-hmm. And now I do it all the time. I say thank you. So somebody says I did this thing that I was going to do. Thank you. You know, again, like like they're giving me a kidney. But uh, so I think if you're I think it's a nice thing to thank people. I am terrible, terrible, terrible about stuff like thank you notes. It's, it's always been a deficit in my character. I've always felt badly about it. But, so I can't give you advice on that because I suck at that part. But I'll tell you, like what I appreciate, if somebody wants to say thank you and it's meaningful, you want it to be like a special. Can, can I outline this quickly? Yes, please. So ask yourself why you're doing this. And make sure that you're doing it for a reason that mostly makes it about them rather than exclusively about you. And so, so really then that leads to the second point, which is make it easy on the person that, to whom you are being grateful. So here's what you don't do. You don't write somebody a thank you note that's actually a request to have a meeting. Right? Don't do, don't do the stealth, the, the thank you that's actually like a stealth maneuver to really be asking for more stuff. If you want to ask for more stuff, ask for more stuff and be very particular about it, then somebody can say yes or no like a person. You know what I mean though? Like if you clarify that mostly it's important for me to, it's important to me that this person understand that what they did was actually kind of special and it, and I'll feel better, I'll feel unburdened or, or kind to tell that person that, that this may have helped in a way they didn't realize and that they're a special person and I appreciate that. So if you can get to that point, if you can't get to that point, just be clear about it. And don't be a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be a weirdo. Don't, you don't need to go over the top with the thank yous. I don't think, unless you're dealing with one of those people who requires constant amounts of thank yous for things, which is certainly a type. So what I would say is this. I would say, get clear in your mind about what it is that you want to get across. Be very, be, be brief to the extent possible and be very specific. And so if you're going to say thank you to somebody, I think it helps to say, to start by saying, like recounting how it is that they helped you. Like they'll probably remember, but you might say to them, uh, hey, thank, thank, I just want to say thank you again for helping me move into my new apartment. Well, they know they helped you with that, but explain, I just want to write you this little note, you know, five lines, just to say thank you again for helping me move into my apartment. I think where that becomes more special is to say, like, why it helped you, perhaps by revealing a little bit of vulnerability or weakness on your part, that is why it was special and helpful. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you give don't me have, an example. Well, you don't have to bust a gut, but if your if your pal helped you move into an apartment, you might say to them, "Thanks again for like spending all day Saturday helping me move in. I couldn't have done that without you." To be honest, this breakup has been extremely difficult. Uh, I've been pretty depressed, and you not only helped me move, but you kept me feeling good all day long in right. a way that nobody else has done since this whole thing started. So I, I feel a little brighter today. I not only got into an apartment, but you you help my uh, my future seem a little less bleak. It doesn't have to be that serious, but if you're open to that, and then then get out, stop, say again, thanks. I don't think you need to offer a gift. Don't offer a gift if you want to send them a gift. Send them a gift. You don't need to. You don't need to ask. You know, I do a lot of like sending people things from iTunes just as like a little gift. Like that's a really easy thing to do. If you know somebody's email address, you could send them a movie or something. But you know, of course, the w- w- terrible part with me is now then that becomes homework. Where now every week with Roderick, I'm like, Did you, I bought you Predestination. Have you watched it? 
No, actually, I've been dying from this cold, but thank you for checking in. So I guess I'm, that's some stuff I try to keep in mind because I'm bad at it and I want to get better at it. And I like, why do we do that? Why do we feel the need to be so effusive with certain thank yous? Well, I think we want people to know that you're, that, that you are really grateful about it. Maybe you feel kind of bad about what they had to do for you for some reason, but that's what I would say. And then finally, like, just make sure there are zero strings attached, including the string of expecting them to write back to you after you said thank you. Because to be a truly generous person, this is true for apologies, this is true for thank yous. Like, there's ways we could all be more gracious with each other, but one of the ways you can be gracious is to not burden people with your deal. And if your deal is you are like this pathological person who sends out busted guide emails expecting everybody to write you back, that's making it about you, which can be okay, but don't imagine you're helping other people by doing that. The best kind of generosity, the most grown-up kind of generosity is to not expect anything in return, whether it's a gift or it's a thank you or it's an apology or anything. You're doing that because you think it's the right thing and because you care about the other person, not because you need to feel better about yourself. That's, that's the definition, the working definition of love that I aspire to is to care more about the other person than yourself. And that, that's, which I fall short of all the time. But that, anyway, not to make it all emotional, but if you want to say thank you to somebody, you know, tell them why it was special um, and why it meant so much to you and then get out. I like that. And you know, I, while you were talking, I was looking up, I remember reading an article, I couldn't find it, but there was an article on like how to write an effective thank you note that someone, if someone gave you a gift or something like that. And it, you pretty much followed the example perfectly as I remember it. And I really think that there is this, it's almost like there's some kind of pressure to say thank you, like you were saying very effusively, like just over the top thanking someone afraid they won't understand how much you appreciate it or you'll seem discourteous somehow if you don't go over the top for it. Happens all the time, all the time. I don't know, you know, I, I, and I remember growing up in Philadelphia that like there is this sort of curtness about things up there in the Northeast and, Mm -hmm. you know, like people would, like you'd give them something like, well, thank you. And like, that's it. That's all you had to say. And it could have been like, you know, just the way people were as the people that I knew, but like saying thank you one time was enough and they appreciated it and you knew that they appreciated it and they didn't have to go to these extremes. And then kind of living in the South for a while, you kind of, you know, that thank you. There's no way to show enough gratitude for, for anything, you know, like, like nothing you could do could ever repay this debt of this person doing you this favor or giving back this gift or something like right, that. But, you but, know? But I, I totally, I totally agree. And I'll, I, I'll say for myself that when I'm doing that, it's because I'm feeling uneasy about myself. When I right. feel I need to constantly rethink somebody, yeah. it's because I'm worried that they won't love me or I'm worried that I'm some kind of a bad person and that like I'll atone for this, how I am by, by, being this effusive, which just frankly gets awkward. If you do that with an actual healthy other human being, that gets weird after a while. Uh, you don't want to do you don't want to do too much of that. But the other thing is, like you're describing here, is that I mean, again, I, I don't. The one part, I, one of the many things I don't like about myself is I'm not good about stuff like thank you notes. But like we, if we donate something to the school, or like you know, we'll do stuff like because you know you basically got to fund your own classroom. But like I'll, I try to make a point, eh, at least once a month or so. If I want to pick up my kid, I'll ask the teacher, like, what do you, what do you need right now? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's goldfish crackers. Sometimes that's a carton of glue. Sometimes that's paper towels or whatever it is. And I, I want that, I want that to not seem like I'm trying to be a hero. I just want to contribute. So 
You know, it's the same reason that like if I'm on the way to a party, like a small size party, I always call ahead and say, uh, I'm bringing ice. Do you need anything else? So here's what you don't do. You don't call and say, uh, what should I bring tonight? You go like, like bring something like volunteer. Say, hey, I bought this pretty good red wine and uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But like in that same way, if you feel the need to extend your, extend your gesture beyond a thank you, it's that same problem as like, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? Well, I'm asking what you want for dinner because I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm not asking about it to find out like how big hearted it is about letting me pick. I'm sick of picking. Help me out. So if you want to extend somebody a courtesy of, uh, of giving them a gift, just give them a gift. I mean, that's what a gift is. There's the graciousness of giving a gift because you care about that person. And there's the graciousness of receiving that gift, whatever it is. And don't, I don't overcomplicate it. So how do you overcomplicate it? Well, you do things like say, oh my God, just one more time, seriously. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your help. Uh, could we, I feel like if, can I take you out to lunch and find out like if there's anything I can do to help you? It's like, oh God, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, there, there no, is something because- though. Oh, well, no, go ahead, go ahead. That. No, no, that's all. That's all. Just, and if you want to send somebody a gift, send them a gift. If you, you remember one little thing that they said, or you like, you remember them saying like, here's this thing that they like. If they mention a, a, a movie, they like send them a book about that movie or send them something. But like, you know what I mean? That's, I mean, anyway, but part of it, I think goes back to the reason why the person is giving the gift. Are they giving the gift for you or for themselves or maybe a little bit of both? And how is that split done? You know, there's like, the ultimate act of giving a gift or of giving something, and um, you know, they they talk about this in as dana in in Buddhism, is that it's the giving of something with absolutely no expectation of receiving anything back in return. And that, as easy as that sounds to do, that's actually like we're especially here in the West, like we're very kind of programmed that you give something, you get a little something, you know, like that's, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch well, you. Well, you send a little email that says, oh, did you get that thing I sent you? Right. So now you're giving them homework. Yeah. Whereas the, like the, 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 the concept of Donna is very much. How do you spell that? I think it's D-A-N-A and I'm looking for. Uh, for that to make sure, yeah, there it is. It's D, and then the A has a straight line. Oh yeah, over it. And I'll it put notes. that into yeah. Okay, and uh, and it it's it it kind of means a little bit more than just giving. It's like generosity, and the the whole concept of it is that you're giving to a person or to a group or whatever, and and the expectation is that you will get absolutely nothing back. In return, you don't want anything back. What about karma? Are you supposed to get good karma from doing that? Uh, I mean, I suppose <laughs> you would. Yes, uh, but I was but, kidding. No, but no, but you bring up a really good point, and that's the, kind of the flip side. People think it. people seem to think that karma is a vending machine that doesn't give change. Like you've just got you got to keep pumping quarters into the karma machine. But it's the be- lack of seeking something in return that will lead to your spiritual increase in karma if you're expecting to get karma back you won't get it oh boy see so but anyway that's how it works i've put this in the in the show notes also for yeah but you know but that really is how a lot of like buddhist centers exist is that people go there the teachings and and this is like one of the requirements of the people who are teaching anything in buddhism is that it is the teaching must be freely given. 
It like must that. be freely given and not, you're not, ex- you know, you could have the room filled with people and it shouldn't enter your mind that like, wow, how are we going to pay our mortgage? I hope these people leave like a buck as they go out the door like that. You can't, that's not freely. Te- that's not free teaching. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I can't so. believe how many online charity related things make it difficult or impossible to remain completely anonymous. Like, um, it's like with things like GoFundMe things, like I don't, yeah. I don't even want the person who gets it to know. Right. Like uh, no, because because again, like and I I I sound I sound like I'm being a horrible person to say this, but so one thing to keep in mind is like some people. How can I put this? I don't want to say I, I I definitely don't want people to get the impression you shouldn't try to help people or be helpful to people, but understand that there are some people that don't want to be helped in certain ways, and it gets awkward if you try to force your help on them. Just now again, you're giving you're giving them a different kind of homework. They have a different they have a different approach. I'm not saying like if you have a friend who's really depressed, like yeah, go go help out. Like they could probably use that. But also keep in mind that we're all different. And there's a fairly for a lot of people, there's a fine line between being helped and somebody getting up in your grill. So I don't know. I mean, if you ask somebody to 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 help them or you offer help and they say no, I'm like, no, really, it's no big deal. Like I'd love to help out. And they're like, no, really, it's okay. Like I think it's okay to not force it on the other person. I think it's okay to to really be like, okay, you know what? They really didn't want help, and but that's also, okay. But this is this is this is almost how do you shitty receive and, help? Well, okay, but th- so you know, you understand my bit. What I'm saying about like, and this is like a, like an old joke. But when you say to somebody, uh, "What do you want for dinner?" and or "What do you want for?" Let's let's put it this way. Uh, you're the person who does the emotional labor at the office. You're the person who ends up being stuck with picking what we're having for lunch figuring out how we're going to get there, all that stuff. Because there's somebody who ends up getting stuck. There's somebody who ends up playing accountant. There's somebody who ends up being the booker. Right. Uh, but you're the person who's like, okay, well, hey, so where should we go for lunch today? And like, there's apps you can get, so you don't have to think about this yeah. anymore. But you say, but you say, like, hey, where are we going for lunch for today? And everybody says, oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And the thing is that they're trying to be, I think, um, a team player, but if I said to somebody, what do you want for dinner or what do you want for lunch? To me, an ideal response is like, like my dream response is, hmm, I don't have a really strong feeling about it, but if we got delivery, I wouldn't mind having Thai. And if we made something at home, I wouldn't mind making something that didn't create too many dishes. So does, is there anything that interests you about that? <laughs> or how about another one? Uh, what do I want for dinner? Hey, you know what? If you want, what, what does everyone want for dinner? How about I go out and pick up Thai for us tonight? Because guess what? They can say, no, I don't want Thai. Or no, I want to make this. They can respond to it. But you're presenting an actual concrete idea. If you're trying to help somebody with something, remember that in a lot of cultures, you're expected to say useful things that aren't actually useful. And that has made us immune to help in a lot of ways. Call me if there's anything I can do. Like who who takes people up on that? Because yeah. you know anybody who says, call me if there's anything I can do. They might really mean that, but everybody says that because they have to say that. You know? So in that in that example of like, let's say you're trying to give emotional support. And this is something I do fairly often. If I know somebody, if a friend of mine is having a rough patch, I will like privately, <laughs> privately say to them, hey, look, it looks like this really sucks for you right now. Like, I can't claim I've been in your shoes, but like, I'm around all next week if you want to have a call. Like, you know, here's my number. And give them the number. Because guess what? Now you give them, if you're serious about having a call with somebody, send them your number. 
That's like, that's like putting a deposit down on your time. Like, right. no, seriously, you know, but like when you say something like call me anytime, that's still fairly general, but most people, the worse somebody feels about something, the less likely they are to take you up on that in some ways. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say you need to be like, but if you really want to help somebody, try to come at them on, on terms that will actually be useful to them. I don't know. Mm. Gift certificates are nice. You get a gift card. Yeah, just give that, and then you're, you're kind of off the hook for anything. Yeah, and then you just expect them to write a note for it. Right. So I got the confirmation. Really? Get, you got to just put it out there. Looks like the gift card arrived. I was watching the tracking number. It looks like that arrived fine. So I've, I don't know if that got lost or it's a thing where you've just, your, your phone doesn't work now or if that's anything you're dealing with. But if there's anything else I can do, just let me know. Very Richard Simmons of you. I'm a little bit Christopher Guest. <laughs> I am worried about I, that, Richard Simmons. I am hate you worried. and I hate your ass face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Just wanted to shoot myself. Oh, I love that movie so much. Uh, <laughs> the Richard Simmons story is very interesting and it's taken some twists and turns. Yeah, it has. Do you think he's uh, being like held captive there? Uh, I think there's been a little bit of mind, mind messiness with his uh, house cleaning person. Yeah, I mean... What a sad story. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I will say, I don't think that everything is right there. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm worried about him. Yeah. I used to love his appearances on Letterman. Oh my God. So funny. He's such a good sport. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we should close the thread on this. Thank you very much to listener Eric for that question. I don't know if that answer was useful. I guess my just my high level would be uh, when you're trying to show somebody you appreciate or for that matter, if you're just trying to be helpful or having been helpful, like, yeah, just remember why it is you're trying to express that and then make it as easy as possible on the other person and uh, move on and then go help somebody else. Pay it forward, as they say. I used to know a kid, Eric, in uh, I think it was sixth grade and he was a good, at least a good head and shoulders taller than all the rest of the kids. Same age. Just really tall, and he was so tall, we used to call him Uncle Eric. <laughs> it's the whole story. Oh, okay. <laughs> My second best friend in childhood was named Eric. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and he was, he was amazing. Was Eric he listens tall? to the show. Yeah, he's pretty tall. He listens to the show sometimes. Hi, Eric. Uncle he was Eric. amazing. He was amazing. He was, he was like my idol. He, was, he, he played piano, and he kissed girls, mm. and he played football. And he All was really cool. And he was really cool and smart. And he was the minister's son, so he was like a nice guy. Oh my God, talk about yeah. perfect. Yeah, but it was good. He was a good model. I liked Eric a lot. If you're listening out there, hi Eric. Hi Eric. I owe you three emails. Sorry about that. <laughs> for the thank you, thank you oh, yeah. for the stuff he sent. No, sometimes Eric and I write each other in the middle of the night, and then I don't write back. You know, oh, I guess from December, I guess I should write back. Oh man, he Eric. knows you're busy. No, he doesn't. He might know. Well, now God. he does. Now he knows. Oh, now I'm not busy. Knows. I'm time constrained. That's right. Tell me about something you like. I would like to tell you about Wealthfront. Wealthfront. An automated investment service. They are managing $3 billion in client assets. What does that mean? That means they have come up with a way for regular human beings who don't have millions of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars to invest that money and not worry about it. And that's what I, I remember when I first started and all of my senior friends and my middle-aged friends and my even kind of older than me, but young adult friends would always be like, 
you should really invest something, Dan. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got a savings account. That's I put some money in there once in a while. And they would laugh and they'd say, <laughs> if only I had started investing when I was your age, I'd be a millionaire now. And I if said, I put a hundred dollars in there and walked away. That's right. And you know what? Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration with a hundred bucks, but if you invest a little bit of money every paycheck or every month, it adds up quickly and it adds up even faster if you have it managed. And what that means is they take the money that you have and they watch the, the markets. And when one thing isn't doing so well, one index fund, they move it to another one or they balance things out. They rebalance it. They take your interest that you earned over here and reinvest it smart over here. That's what Wealthfront, Wealthfront does. And they do it for people who have even a tiny little bit of money to invest. And that's what makes them special. You don't pay all these crazy uh, management fees. You don't do all this this uh, crazy stuff that you would pay to somebody who's like uh, is one of these high-end like management professionals who are going to take 1% per year in management fees. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. They don't have trading commissions. And in fact, if you don't have a lot of money, they make it free for you. Listeners of this show, it's going to be free all of the uh, all of the money that you put in there under fifteen thousand dollars, their management fee is uh, is zero. If you cross that fifteen, and that's normally it's ten thousand, it's fifteen just for listeners of the show. Once you cross that, it's only 025 percent per year. You get all the best of modern technology. You get their rigorous investment research. You cut out the middleman, and uh, and you make uh, I think a lot more uh, money. Your chances are, are strong. Better than just chucking it under your mattress or leaving it in a regular savings account or something. These guys are doing serious work managing uh, nearly $3 billion. And you can get in on this. You can be part of this, just like the the people with tons of money. It's great. It's a really, really cool service. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 If you go there and you sign up, you'll get the first 15 k not 10 but 15 k uh, for, uh, for free. No management fees. Forever. So go check it out, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Bing. Well, I, I, there at was last. A, I, I, well, one, one more thing. Sorry. A little follow-up for you. Hmm. There was in uh, on a site, 9to5Mac, they just did one of their very in-depth reviews of the, I think it's a slightly different Synology NAS than the one you got. You got the 216 Play. I think so. This is the 216 plus. I don't know what the difference is, but they did in a very, very in-depth review, Benjamin oh, Mayo yeah. over there just an hour ago. I'll add that to our show notes as well. And uh, they had great things to say out of it. They, they uh, show screenshots of the little windowing environment. They talk about setting it up as a Plex server. Uh, a lot of the things that you talked about, they, they have written in an article. But if I think if our listeners were curious about this, uh, and want some fo- uh, screenshots and other things like that. They oh, can this is it. really this is pretty handy. Really nice, but they love it as much as you did. And you can uh, use Synology for Time Machine. Th- I didn't know that, but that's they show screenshots. I have trouble that. keeping volumes mounted, and I even bought an app for this. There's still lots of things I got to work out with this. Yeah, there's lots of weird like ownership folder things where it's confused. I'm confused mm. about where stuff should go, but no, this is, this looks terrific. Put it in notes. I have put it in and uh, show notes are going to be at five by five dot TV slash B two W slash two six three. But yeah, I also, think I've um, got to get one of these things. Also added to notes. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. A ZDNet um, piece called why I finally broke down and reattached the cable TV cord. 
for all the reasons you would guess, the lead's pretty funny. You must call and get cable. My wife was firm. You must call them right now. <laughs> Do it. Uh, <laughs> is how it, how it begins. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so here, here's the difference. The Plus series, work group, small and medium-sized business. The Value series is the home and work group series. So the, the 216 Play is the one they say would be great uh, for you to use at home. And the plus is for work. Mainly in terms of like managing users and stuff? I guess. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's, I haven't kicked all the way over to, because you can, um, you know, you can run Plex, but you can also run the full stack of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like installing uh, Python and Mono, like that's a click. Mm. And it understands dependencies. So if you install certain apps from the stack, it knows to also install Python, for example. And it just, and it worked. It's, it's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And there's no command line or anything. You just yeah. go to this. So, oh, so here's a good thing to know. If you're messing around with your Synology, and I guess everybody knows this, it took me a week to learn it. But there's a way you can go in. Why will I even try to describe this without logging in? Uh, basically, you go in and you say, like, where do you want to get software packages from? Do you want just the official ones from Synology? Or you can go in and have like what are called communities. So you can link to this. There's one, this one repository of tons of packages for open source stuff that you can add on, including stuff like I say, like one click mono and Python, lots of popular, uh, you know, apps for things. Yeah. And you all just, you just go and install it. My confusion is it gets confused about, I have trouble keeping the mounts up. Um, so one thing is like my Mac, when I, when I, when I mount it locally with my Mac, it seems confused about there is something called Synology that has these folders on it. It does not seem to understand the concept of mounting the Synology as its own folder with subfolders oh. in, the, in my analogy. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like only the top level folders can be mounted as far as I know, unless there's another way. So I feel like I need to like go readjust some paths in places and then there's some ownership things where like you can't create, it seems like you may, maybe I just don't know how, but you can't, it seems like you can't, I'm having trouble creating folders at the top level. Anyway, I'll, I'll work it out. It's a pretty neat box though. And for the amount to get into this, well, I didn't realize I could use it for time machine. I got to do that. My time machine has been a mess lately. Now, um, uh, I know that you mentioned you got the four terabyte drives with yours. Is the sweet spot the four terabyte uh, drive for like 149 bucks or the three terabyte at the 106 because there's always know. like a sweet spot in pricing i know for a long time it was one terabyte yeah there was like you just could go get seagate one terabyte drives and what were they, they were 80 bucks right that for the longest time and i would always buy them in pairs because i would have one and a backup for it and like you know one in the chamber um and that was a good deal um that's what uh marco and john i think or no maybe it was casey but anyways somebody at atp had recommended those and then they verified that those are good ones yeah and they're not right. at, and they're only 5400 rpms but you know it seems to work fine yeah i don't think that you need for the kinds of stuff that that we're doing serving files or streaming yeah, over the internet, it's. I don't think the biggest constraint is going to be drive speed. No, it's it? definitely not. I don't know. I don't know any anything about it, but yeah, pretty interesting. Do you want to uh, tell me about uh, some funny books? Yes, I would. So I remember. I get like I was saying before in our last couple of episodes. One in one of those, we were talking about like I want to get back into reading some of this stuff, and where would mm -hmm. I start? And you named a couple things. 
and we put them into the show notes. But I kind of wanted to keep going with this. So I went to, we have a wonderful comic store here in Austin, ABC, also called Austin Books and Comics. And they've got a wonderful, wonderful, huge back catalog. It's if, if any of you follow me on Instagram, occasionally I'll post a picture of this giant Hulk statue that's like a larger, you know, the large size Hulk, not the like human size, but like the much bigger than a person size Hulk. They have this famous statue. They get a silver surfer up there. I take pictures of them all the time. They've got an, just an amazing selection of new books, independent stuff. And it's where all the artists kind of come through to do their signings when they're in town. It's a wonderful store. I've been going there for about five years. And I went to uh, to my friend there and I said, listen, I want to get back into books. What should I be reading? And so he thought for a little while and then he gave me his list. And that led into another conversation, which was what would I want to read if I liked a certain character, but I wanted to kind of go into their back catalog or I wanted to see more of their story and, and how could I dive into that? Mm-hmm. And he, he said he started doing it with, with Batman and so I've got some amazing Batman suggestions, but he's like, I can do that for any character. So if we like this or we get good feedback, because people email me all the time and they're like, I really like Batman. What should I read? Or I really like Spider-Man. What should I read? And uh, that there's always, you know, like the recommendations that I would have would be probably like the thing I read about them most recently, but that might not be the the greatest way to experience different writers takes or different artists. So that's kind of what I have put together here and why we have like a million links to comics in the show notes because I I put that in there. But I think a lot of these you will you will find matched up very well with what you suggested. And hopefully uh hopefully you'll have some comments on on some of these. But the the what should I be reading right now? One of their first one of his first suggestions was Saga, which you I know are a huge saga fan. I'm way behind. I have only read, I think, the first volume of it, so I'm way more behind than you. But Saga, you'd be surprised. I'm pretty far behind. Well, people seem to love Saga universally, and I was it you who said if if you don't like yes. Saga, you don't like anything about comics. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> I, I have this thing I try to do with people with a whether it's with a property again. We have a whole episode of reconcilable differences about this recently about how you recommend things to people and how do you kind of differentiate your favorite versus the best versus the best place to start and how complex that can be. And I thought it was a really fun episode. I'll put it in notes. Um, but um, what I try to do is gauge. Can I just do this real quick? Yeah. Um, I try to gauge where in the big stack they are. So for example, like I th- you, there might be people who are new to a medium. Hmm. Well, let me put it this way. You might be new to a platform. Like maybe you've like, like the PlayStation Four is the first like big boy game console I've ever owned. I mean, I don't, like, the Wii is kind of like that, yep. but like it's it's been so perplexing for me to get my legs under me with this thing because it's just assumed that everybody who buys these, I guess, has grown up with the video games. So people people that are even ten years younger than me who had an NES or whatever the, yeah. the original Nintendo, right. they've been living with this forever. The last one, I mean, we had a Wii and I've had an Atari. Hello, so I'm so new to new to the platform. Well. If you're totally new to the platform, here's some stuff to know about that. Maybe you might be even new to the medium. So if you've never read a comic before in your life or, or haven't read a comic since you were a kid, wow, there's a lot of questions to ask to help guide somebody. Like, do you want to read this with your kid? Do you like really gritty stuff? Give me a couple characters you loved as a kid. Tell me some movies you liked. You know what I'm saying? So you start with something like that. Then I think another interesting one is like getting started or getting back into a genre. 
And forgive me, I'm repeating a lot of stuff I said on there, but this is the way I think about it. Like, okay, so you want to get into science fiction. Well, like, you know, and let's talk a little bit about stuff you liked in the past, et cetera. Maybe you want to learn about new heavy metal. You enjoyed heavy metal in the 80s and you want to learn what's happened since then. I think it helps to start by educating yourself without, you know, being a total dork about it. Get some feedback about what the person already enjoys. And this is, again, something Two Cats is great at. They're so good at doing this with people. And so, like, for example, I mean, you've got a lot of Batman here. So, I mean, it's to me, like, not to spoil it, well, but... He would, I, no, he wasn't saying jump in. Uh, that was the Batman exploration. But his well, his recommendations, Court, Court of Owls. Court of Owls is not a bad... If you enjoyed Batman a long time ago, if you enjoyed any Batmans in yes. your life and you're a grown-up, it's hard to beat Court of Owls. It really is. It really is. Um, well, let, let's not jump ahead to Batman. He says, Saga, Black Science, Sex Criminals, and Tokyo Ghost. He says these are his favorite things that are coming out right now. Great art, great writing. Tokyo Ghost. Tokyo oh, it's Ghost. Rick Re- oh, Sean Murphy and Rick Remender? Yeah. Criminy Pete. Well, there's Rick Remender again. <laughs> and Sean Murphy, dude, you know Sean Murphy, right? Not personally. Um, but he did, I think he did some Batman. Yep. Well, I know he did, uh, what's that thing Cordy recommended? The End of the Sea Adventure. Uh, oh, did he do um, Punk Rock Jesus? I think he did that. I don't know. I think he did Punk Rock Jesus. Anyway, these are his. These are yeah, his. Punk Rock Jesus. Yeah, Sean Murphy's great. Wake, Wake is the one. Wake with Scott Snyder and uh, Sean Murphy. That I have read. But these oh, are you did yes. Okay. Uh, these are his top picks uh, for what's what's out now, what's new, what's fresh. So those are in the show notes. And then yes, going into the Batman thing. Well, I mean, okay, that's a list. Like, why why is he suggesting these and to whom? Uh, he is suggesting these for people who have some exposure to Batman and want to dive more deeply into, I guess, different, different, but really good stories that have that, you know, that feature Batman that are about Batman. So he did put the killing joke in there mm-hmm. and we've which talked about, which apparently is going to be a movie. Yeah. I just heard about that. Yeah. That'd be super interesting. It will be, but he starts back with Batman <laughs> year one, uh, which is Frank Miller. Uh, the Killing Joke, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, of course, Frank Miller again, Long Halloween, and do I have that in there twice? And then, uh, I do, and then uh, The Black Mirror, which is one I have never read. I have never heard of that. I've never heard of it either. It's uh, it's Scott Snyder's writing uh, stuff. And then- And, um, uh, and Frank Avia, the guy from Hawkeye. Yeah. And then Court of Owls, which you just talked about. Uh, I love You told that. me about that. Yeah. And is that Jim Lee? Uh, Court of Owls is no, Scott, uh, Scott, Scott Snyder, Snyder and, and um, uh, gosh, what's the Greg guy's Capullo? name? Mm, yeah, no. Yeah, Greg Capullo. Is that who it is? Scott Snyder and yeah, Greg, Greg Capullo, Capullo. That's right. The Spawn guy. It's uh, it's really good. I love that. And I love, I love this. The, the, the entire story mm. is Excellent. And it can captures... up through Death of the Family. I mean, what a run. <sighs> so good. That's that's as good as DC gets as far as I Yeah, no, I <laughs> exactly. And I just I what so anyway, these are in there not because people should go out and buy every volume of every one of these, but if you're like me and you're thinking, I want to get back into some of this stuff, and I love I I have read The Long Halloween, I've read Year One, I've read The Killing Joke. Uh, but and of course the Dark Knight Returns, but I've never read Black Mirror, so now I want to get that. And I'll tell you what, Court of Owls. I read that again recently, 
Mm-hmm. What a great story! What what a great the because, art. The art is amazing, amazing, and it's it's one of those stories. It does it feels very like the arc is just perfect, and the the whole storyline is great. And you see Batman. I think the 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 ultimate evolution of Batman as a modern day uh, dark hero. It's just it's great. And I mean, you could <laughs> honestly, you could if you know who Batman is, you could just start with the court of owls that would be if, mm-hmm. if somebody were to say to me i like superhero comics what should i read that's been good in the last five years i that's my number one to be honest be, just a great wonderful combination of, there's a of ton of storytelling if you, if you go to um i wonder if i already own this is that why i can see so much i mean i know i own it on comiXology but there's tons of previews in here i wonder if this is really weird what which yeah. one Okay, so so go to um, Court of Owls on Amazon. Yeah. And then click on Look Inside. All right. Do you get buttons of pages? Look Inside. I, I do. There are a lot of pages here. So you can acquaint yourself. like that. Look at that art. Wow. So modern but classic. Oh, look at those great lines. Have you seen the Capullo figures? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I have. I think they have those at two cats. Those are, um, Capu- uh, those are amazing. Love those. The, the Capullo figures. This is an example. You said, you know, this is the best that DC gets. I, I totally agree. And I mean, it. I don't know how hard it is to put something together like this. But yeah, there are a whole lot of pages that are uh, that are in here. I'm just flipping through them right now. But it's just, it's fun. It's a fun ride. It tells such a great story. And that's what it should all be about. But I think, you know, for, for these, have you read any of the, the new ones that he recommended? What of uh? Of, oh no, like, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know. I know sex, sex criminals, criminals, right? Tokyo criminal. Ghost looks crazy. Yeah, good. no, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know black science. Uh, no, I don't. So, I, I'm not reading as much these days. But when you um, read, do you are you are you still enjoying Comicsology for it, or are you buying the books in uh, in paper format anymore? I buy a ton of whenever I'm at two cats, I try to buy lots of stuff because I want to support them. And then it mostly sits in a pile. Yeah. Um, you know, reading comics on the iPad pro is really fun. It's really, it's one of the things that it's really good for. Um, it's the first time I feel comfortable looking at a full page and then, you know, then being able to zoom in is incredible. But yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like comic, comicsology. Okay. I, I love the ability to go back and say like my, like my kid and I were mentioning something related we i don't know some nerd point came up and i was able to just go like re-download this x-men you know from three years ago and look at it um i like that i um yeah i I mean i don't know i'm really interested in the science of trying to figure out how and what to recommend to people and like you know without without giving them homework you know it's so annoying when you like oh can i just do i really do i do i have to read all these books before i see the movie (laughs) like well you know like most people will tell you that you do whereas like i feel like i mean i haven't read in a couple years but I feel like um, Court of Owls is, is one where you can feel pretty confident about picking it up. It's you're going to recognize Batman. You're going to recognize the Joker. If you're confused about how, who those little former Robins were, like go look it up. You'll be fine. Right. Anyway, the, I I I think these are great recommendations from him, and I agree with you, Court of Owls. But this is something that I think people, even if you're not like if you're not interested in the whole superhero. Because there's a lot of people who just like they don't like powers, they don't like you know they don't super- like capes, yeah, they like they don't like the you know the standard superhero fare. I feel like Batman, especially Court of Owls stuff, 
it's easy to forget that he's a, a he's a highly trained but still very much a regular human being. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. a, he's he is a a man who is you know has all the regular weaknesses of a regular human being, and you get you get to see those weaknesses in Court of Owls. That's that's one of the five reasons that I think Hawkeye is so great. And Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is this that he's he's. It basically, it's a com- it's a comic about how his life is screwed up, and he's he's trying and not always doing a very good job. But it's you know, and I, I won't. I'm I, I know I've over recommended that, but I mean, pretty much everybody ends up liking it because it's really smart and it's it's really really funny and heartbreaking and and just very touching in some ways. Now, and, what you recommended was it Hawkeye? My life is a weapon as uh, a jumping that, in point. I think that's the first one. Is that volume one? Yeah, yeah my life is a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll put that. Lots of interesting stuff with time and, um, you know, telling stories out of sequence and you may not realize that something's out of sequence until you go back and go, you like piece it back together. We did an episode of The Incomparable um, about this. Um, it's when you, boy, you, this is one of those books that really stands up to like going, hmm, like I could draw a chart of this and I bet that would be really interesting. Like a lot of thought went into this. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people in like, this seems like there's, prog- there's a progression with a lot of artists where like they, you know, they, they and I, I don't know exactly what it is, but a lot of people that I like and admire end up going through this phase where they work for Marvel or DC or both or whatever for a while and like kind of make their bones there and then end up going like, okay, now I'm going to do the stuff I really want, you know, somewhere else. But, but we're very fortunate. Some of the, you know, it's, I guess what it's, it's back to this old thing of like, you know, is there you have to like the artist. You have to like, it helps to like, like the artist helps like the writer helps to like the character helps to like the story. Like any of these can fall short. I mean, you can find terrible comics by and about or for like anybody, you know right, what I mean? Right. The, 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 the tricky part is, you know, to like, and, and down to like something, I, like I said, that's something I've realized in the last few years is like, I think I don't like a given artist, but then I realize I just don't like the way that they're being inked and colored. Like right, when I see, right, when I right, really right. look at Jim Lee's stuff now, I'm gobsmacked. And I, I, I want to take back everything I've ever said about Jim Lee because like this pencil work is extraordinary. It just, he happened to suffer at a time when comics just looked really dumb to my eye. I mean, it looked, it looked like a trip to the mall in, you know, 1985 or, you know, uh, who's the guy I'm always talking about that I like, is it, um, let me go look in notes here. Um, Paul Smith, Right. I mean, you look at that run of X-Men in the late 70s and 80s and there's these little subtle differences and then suddenly like a big difference. Like Paul Smith's X-Men looks really different. You might think that's too simple looking. It might look like Tintin to you, <laughs> but I, I really love that style. Yeah, yeah. Getting people started. What are the kinds of things people have been asking us about? Comic-wise or just in general? Well, comic-wise, I'm trying to think of like how, like I'm, we've given people a giant list of things here and I'm yeah. trying to think like, is there any, are there, do we have any new information for people who say, you guys sure talk about comics a lot. Like where, where should I start? I mean, well, if you're going by, by my buddy's recommendation, you know, S- Saga, I, I right. really feel like it is a good introduction to that whole world because I think for so long people, even, even the geeks, look at comics as like a separate like a separate kind of a thing like it's well i like movies and maybe i I wasn't a big fan of the comic book movies but i just don't know i don't get comics i'm you know like there's almost like the kind of person who if they have some spare time they'll they'll play playstation or they'll play a game and they're not like hardcore about it right or like i i read comics when i was a kid i haven't done it in years don't have any interest right yeah and i think there's enough i think 
you know, and we've talked about this before, is the whole take that Marvel has, where everything kind of always becomes some kind of big event, and then everything gets changed, and New York gets destroyed, and then everything's back to the way that it was again. Yeah. They do that a lot, and I don't know, I just, I hate to say it, but I am burnt, I am burnt out on Marvel. I'm totally burnt out. And I just, I, I keep buying all these and I look at them and I'm just like, ugh. Uh, I'm very intrigued by the possibilities. I like, there, there's so many cool women in these titles right now, but like just the, I feel like the, the, the baggage of having to get up to like what's happening here, which, you know, brings us back to an old point, which is you end up really treasuring comics that where you can read an issue and, you know, it's part of an arc, but it, it isn't part of a, an event, you know, which is one reason I loved Silver Surfer so much. The Silver Surfer from the last couple of years. It's been so great because every issue is just like a fun, a fun comic book. It's part of a story, but it's it, you can read each one of them on their own, pretty much. There's nothing in it where you have to like know a huge amount of backstory. Right. You can basically get it. So I mean, uh, I love stuff like that. But like there's stuff I just you know what it is? It ended up feeling like there was so much duty to it, so much like obligation. Of like where I started to feel like I am buying a bunch of comics that I'm not that interested in just to be caught up to get through the one story that you are interested in. Well, no, worse. No, like I, I, I stopped. <laughs> I stopped realizing why. Why? I was, like I, I'm buying a comic I don't like that much about a character or a team I don't actually like all that much, so that I can stay up on the continuity on a story I don't find all that interesting inside of an event that I find excruciating. And now I, there's five more things I've got to buy. And that's and that that's on me. That's not anybody else. But like that's they don't make that surpassingly easy to deal with in any of these universes to where it's difficult to understand who they're who they're trying to delight. I don't mean this is anybody buying everything was people buying everything related to Secret Wars? I mean like I we went through that with Infinity. We're like, what do I really need to have to read Infinity? Like, and then you gotta read these in this certain order and you gotta get this and I don't know. It's, I mean, it must be there for a reason. It's just, it is, it is eventually once you get to, in my case, like an intermediate level of enjoyment of this, it's very off-putting and extremely costly. And if you're, if you're paying a lot of money for something that's annoying and you're not enjoying, you have to ask yourself why you're doing it. I think that's part of the allure to the independent titles in a way is that you can get into these things and you know like this is a self-contained story and there might be 50 issues of it but like that's all i've got to do to get through this story is start with with you know issue one and work my way through there's something nice yeah. and fresh about that you know that this exists in a universe that it's it's its own thing and you don't have to read a hundred other you know supplementary things and understand a big history and that it will be revealed all within the context and that's why i think some of these uh, these sort of Batman like Long Halloween and things like that there you kind of have to, uh, need to know Bat who Batman is but even because it's not like retelling of the origin story over and over again but like you can just go into it and say like this is a self-contained story right of it's something that happened with Batman and it's interesting and like you can pick it up you can read it and you can be done with it and I like that I, I do too and you know this is complicated but I can't promise that this is true for everybody all times and all places, but my understanding is that for the, especially with creator-owned comics, but with most kinds of comics, the way that writers and artists end up seeing money, most especially if there's, if it's owned by them, is when it goes into trade, when it gets into trade paperbacks. And so a trade paperback is where you take four to six issues that had been floppies from like whatever, six months to a year ago and put them together in this trade paperback. Right. Um, and this is where it gets complicated. The thing is that property will have 
more trouble staying alive if people aren't ordering the floppies. Like the way that, the, you know, single issues. So like the, the trouble is that the way that you like, you need to sell a lot of issue number one to have the shops be interested because it really comes down to what stores are ordering and what stores order comes down to what people request, what's in the pull lists. It's very, that's the main economic point for the, I think for the publishing places to go like, well, you know, how many thousand of these are we moving every month? Right. So you're not going to, it's going to be difficult to go two years of like middling sales. Like something's got to change at some point. So I, I only mention that because yeah, yeah, buy them and order them and then grade them. But if it's stuff that has been out for a while, especially with image, oh my God, there is such an embarrassment of riches in image trade paperbacks. And you can feel great about the fact you are very directly supporting the people who made that. You yeah. can have a very good feeling about that. That's not going into some kind of generic Stan Lee fund somewhere in Manhattan. <laughs> like this is, this is really responsible. This is how the people you love make money. And on top of it all, you know, I'm a trade waiter at this point. I'd rather just wait until stuff gets into trade and then know that I'm getting mostly a story in these four to six issues. It is more economical. I do like, I like the form factor of uh, a trade paperback. I wish I could more directly earlier support people, but sometimes it helps to wait it out. And now you can say, well, give me something from the last year that I might like. And you don't have to go buy, you know, 50 different comic books. You know, you can get, you can get a couple trades and decide if you like it. And if you like it, buy volume two and so on. That was me in Transmetropolitan. Or somebody's like, oh, you've got to check this out. And like, I devoured volume one and then bought like three more after that. That's a great way to introduce somebody. So again, now talk about, we'll bring it back to gratitude. You might, you know, if you've got something you think your friends might like, you know, buy them a trade, give it to them, take them to the comic store and buy it for them. That's a mitzvah. Yeah. I like trades. I do too. There's so many of these, these comics from the last three years sitting around in bags. They're in boxes right here. I'm just looking at them. This is all these boxes. I'm like, what, 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 what am I doing? What am I doing with all of this? I don't even look at them. I took uh, a whole bunch. I went through uh, in, I had been, you know, where, where should you store boxes of comics? You should store it in your child's closet so that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, I don't want it in my closet. Like, put they it can in. make a little fort. So I, I eventually, my wife said, listen, you need to get these boxes. They're the half size boxes. She's like, you need to get them out of here. I said, all right. So over the weekend, I went through them and I found that there was a lot of stuff that I had been like bagging and boarding and collecting. And it wasn't really, it wasn't really stuff that I thought I would ever read again. And it wasn't stuff that I thought my kids would really ever want to read again. I mean, I could be wrong, but it was just not the best stuff. And then I found that I had a lot of stuff from like the eighties time period where I might've had two copies of it, you know, like two copies or three copies of, you know, Venom number one or something like that. And I took all of them and I put them in the boxes and I took them to the Austin books and comics and they're there right now. They're being looked at and they don't pay very much when you do that. Like, it's not like they're going to come and hand me some fat check, but it, the chances of it, of them being able to put them back on their shelves and potentially someone will buy them and like them and read them are, are much greater if they're on their shelves than if they're in my closet. So you know, that was kind of a weird thing for me in a way, because these were comic books. It's in some cases I've had in a, you know, in a box and taken from house to house and year to year, you know, and had for a very long time. And I kind of liked the feeling of doing it because I realized that like, if I'm going to read it or if my, if my kids are going to read it, they're probably going to read. And we've talked about this too. They're really going to want to read it on their iPads, you know, like that's, oh yeah, they're already used to that. And my son thinks it's pretty cool that like, I have some comics that are old, like he's into 
very into vintage stuff and older stuff and stuff that's like was mine a long time ago or was, you know, and the older, the better, even if the comic book sucks, but it's from like the late sixties. He just likes it regardless. Oh, of and the old ads and everything. Yeah. It's yeah. Silly <laughs> fun. Yeah. And you know, so like those, I, I want to save for that reason, but there is a, I don't know. I, I, I felt like kind of good about putting this back out there. And then I was looking at the next series of boxes. I got to go through all the amazing Spider-Man issues that I've kept since, I don't know, the early hundreds, you know, and I mean, I've, and even older than that, and I've got almost all of them. Wow. You know, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read those again. I mean, there's an issue here, a story here, a story there, but I feel like it's time to, to put those back out there in the world. I think you're right. Um, did you have one more thing to tell me about? I do. Could you tell me about it? I can. It's Thank you. It's go-to webinar. You know, when you're trying to grow your business, you're going to need a cost-effective way to reach your audience. You want to generate qualified... The leads are weak. You are weak. weak. You're going to generate qualified leads for you, for your sales team. Well, my recommendation is check out Citrix go-to webinar. It's really, really cool. It allows you to present to hundreds, I would say. Thousands? Why not? Hmm. Go to webinar. Tur- it take, you, you create a list of attendees. You put them in to go to webinar. You pick your topic. You select your audience from that. You schedule your event, and then boom, you go and you do your presentation. And what happens is people see this; it's being recorded, so that you can then share it to people. Oh, you couldn't see, you couldn't come to my meeting. That's cool. Here it is. It's an archive version of it. <laughs> nice try. You know, you're gonna you're gonna watch this. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. You can't get away from it. Just hit record. You turn on your webcam. You share your screen. When you're done, you post it. Invite anyone who missed it. Here's what's really cool about it is it lets you practice beforehand. You can test your equipment. You can make sure everything is up and running. You keep your audience engaged while you're doing it. You can do like on-screen polls. You can do interactive surveys. You can do real-time engagement feedback, all of this stuff. The end goal being, of course, you turn the people who watched into it into maybe potential sales leads, maybe potential client. You want to show off something cool that you've invented. You've got a whole group of people that are, are supporting you, supporting what you do. This is a wonderful way to share with them. It's a reliable, stable technology. Get started with GoToWebinar today. You focus on the content. GoToWebinar handles the rest. It's GoToWebinar.com. Go check them out. Thanks very much to them for supporting this program. Thanks, GoToWebinar. Bok, bok. Yep, yep, Comics. Yep. I mean, the, uh, some of the best writing out there today and some of the best art it's being done in in comics, both independent and and elsewhere. But I'm I'm starting to feel like I like the independent stuff. Like that's the that's what I've been really interested in. There's a a lot of immediate payoff with so much of the. I mean, I'm thinking in particular of Image because they just boy, there's there's you, Image Comics it, is great. It's almost overwhelming, like how much stuff they've got. But that's that's a silly thing to say. Whoa, there's too many ideas in the world. Um, my gosh, there's so much good stuff there. It does, you know, it really does help to have a Sherpa. It helps to have some kind of a guide. And in my case, like going to Two Cats is great. If you're in San Francisco, treat yourself. They're, you know, they're, they're just, they're such great people. It's so nice to have people who will like, who are there to help you not to like show off. You know, they're not there to like show you how much they know or have like some kind of a, you can have some great discussions, but also it's nice to have somebody who can walk you through that. Cause you know, it's like anything that's in some ways is a back to workish point is one of the hardest parts of expertise is, 
yes, knowing where to start, but then knowing what to do if you're confused. Like, you know, how do you give somebody a comic where they don't need to read other comics first? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why, like, you know, I'm a big, I'm still a big fan of the X-Men. I still love the whole idea of the X-Men. I, I think about the X-Men a lot. I have many posters here in my office. I'm just, I'm, I like the X-Men. I like their whole thing. And that's why I always have a ready selection of like, here are five things that you could, any of, any of these, an array, and any of these five things you could go and pick up. And I'm pretty confident that if, if you are capable of becoming somebody who enjoys the X-Men, this will be a good place to start. So like I, you know, I have those ready. I'm also always tempted to point people to things like Daredevil. We're like, you know, we said before, like, I'm, I'm, it's shocking how many good runs of Daredevil there are for a character that, for a lot of people, until this Netflix show came along, he didn't really think much about Daredevil. He seemed like kind of a silly, he was kind of a silly character. But there have been so many. You got you got Frank Miller, you got Mark Wade, you got Bendis Maleev. You've got so many of these these great runs of Daredevil where you can go out and pick up one or two trades. You know, Frank Miller, say what you will about the guy, but he does a hell of a an Electra. I don't know. I like I like a lot of Frank Miller's stuff. Yeah. He's problematic. Well, tough to work Pro- with. Problematic. The killing the killing joke is problematic. Well, it died. It really true. is. It no, really, it really is, but I just hate that word. I hate How it so are they going to make that into a, into a movie? Um, I don't know. I don't know. There are, there are some things that, you know, don't age well. <laughs> that does not age well thematically. Although, I, I mean, I, I still, I like it. It's terrible and it's awful, but I don't know. It's, it's, I, you know, it's, it's not a good idea to raise stakes in the way that he, the Joker raises stakes in that. But it is kind of fascinating to see the Joker raises stakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think there are people out there that can be very lazy about that. I'm not saying he was in that case, but I, I still think it's a great comic. Especially, you know, if you find the copy that's not all recolored and weird. How it's do you find hard to that? Make. How do you find that one? I don't know. I've just seen side-by-side comparisons of it, but it's so different. Um, Other stuff. Yeah. X-Men. I like the X-Men. What's your favorite X-Men time period? Uh, your favorite, favorite, or, favorite, or your favorite versus best versus where to start? Yes. Oh, I got that in notes. Yes. Um, I have, in the same way that A New Hope will always be my favorite Star Wars movie, um, I have a special fondness for those weird, the weird 1975, you know, all new X-Men, the, the reboot, you know, with Wolverine and everything. Yeah. I, I got a special place in my heart for that. Um... The one that I think might be, I don't know if it's the best exactly. And so there's that whole run, that whole run up through with Chris Claremont and everybody, you know, up into the um, Paul Smith years. And those are all terrific. And there's so much great stuff. The Phoenix stuff, all that's really great. Um, One that I wonder if people are reading enough nowadays is um, New X-Men, Grant Morrison from whatever, circa 2001 or something. That's where they get the the, uh, leather outfits right? That's where uh, Emma Frost becomes extremely important. Um, that's where there's a lot of really, so like basically the X-Men that you see in the X-Men movies are such a mess, but that, that, that the look comes from uh, new X-Men and new X-Men with Frank quietly um, penciling. So bananas, so bananas. I still got to say, if, if, just, if there's only one thing that I can recommend to anybody to yeah. say like, why do people like the X-Men? Uh, Astonishing X-Men Gifted is always my go-to by Josh, Josh Whedon and uh, John Cassidy. Is that right? I don't know. 
And I think it's so rewarding as its own comic or as a continuation or reboot of, you know, old X-Men ideas. If you're familiar with the X-Men, you're going to love it. If you're not familiar with the X-Men, you'll do fine. And it's just a great ride. That's Joss Whedon in, I think, 2004, maybe. Those are good. All new X-Men was fun. But, you know, again, these are like, they're, they're just, you, time was, a man could buy a comic book and all the story you needed was right there. You know what I mean? And then if you, if you like the X-Men, you want to really nerd out. I, I do think the Messiah stuff is pretty great, but it is steeped in X-Men lore that you're going to need to like go Google to understand like, yeah. why, who are these different, who are these different people, like these different groups and why are they trying to find this new mutant and why does it matter that a mutant's been born? Like, why is that a big deal? You know? House of M was good too. It's pretty weird. Big House event. of M. You don't need to understand a whole lot about House of M before it you. It sure helps. But don't, don't you need. Well, think about like with Peter. Like knowing why what he's seeing is what he's seeing. It helps a lot to know about his past. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, trailer for uh, yes. Apocalypse? Oh, Apocalypse? oh uh, not the newest. Is there something new? Oh, just the X-Men Apocalypse looks really, really good. It looks really good. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know, I still haven't, you're not going to believe this, but I still haven't seen all of um, uh, Time Travel 1, Days of Future Past. Really? You haven't I, seen the whole movie? Yeah, I know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm that guy. I love the X-Men. But like, I just... What didn't you like about it? Just, it didn't grab me. It felt like it's another one of these movies that just feels like a bunch of scenes. You know, in the way that I loved, the, again, I loved the first Hunger Games movie. Uh, and I love Catching Fire. I jumped straight to Mockingjay Part 2, which is probably dumb, but like it just felt like a bunch of scenes. You know, and that's kind of a Marvel movie thing now, is that like even the good ones sometimes just seem like a bunch of scenes. I'll give it another try. Were what, you going to talk about Civil War? Is that what you were going to well, say? Well, yeah, I thought that's where you, what you were going to mention. You excited about that? I don't know. He's a kid. I like that he's a kid. I like that he's a kid too. I'm... He's not 30 playing 20. Yeah, no, I like I like that, but I don't I don't love I you know, and like I get that it is the classic Steve yes. Ditko costume. Like if and I was watching this with my son, I didn't want to say anything. I said, "Listen, I want to show you the there is a new uh Civil War trailer out." He said, "Newer than the one with the cool shield thing at the end?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah, that's exactly that. what my daughter said. I was like, "I'm not going to say anything." We're going straight home and you're going to watch this. Right. And he and he watched it and I said, Keep watching. He's like, Okay, cool. And he watched it and, and at the end he saw Spider Man. And I I looked I looked at him while he watched it. I was watching him instead of uh instead of uh the, the trailer. And he kind of he saw the costume and at first he smiled and then he was kinda of like hmm, he made that kind of face like, eh. Yeah. And I said, What? And he's like I don't like that costume. Really? And well, I said, the rendering of it, if you zoom in, it's actually super detailed. But my daughter was like, he looks like a cartoon. Yes. I was like, the, I think he looks like a cartoon too. That's exactly what my boy said. And I showed him some pictures of so. <laughs> Steve, Steve Ditko stuff. And I said, actually, <laughs> I said it, it is very classic spidey costume stuff he well, said have you seen have you seen like super zoomed in detail yes, shots yes it's actually incredibly detailed it looks it looks better uh, and i said and and he said but the new stuff looks cooler he's like why doesn't it look like superior spider-man and i said i don't know but 
this is how he looks in the movie. He's, I'm like, he's like, I don't like his eyes. I don't like the color. I don't like this. He had a, like a long list, a punch down list. Yeah. Of all the things that were wrong. And I couldn't really disagree with any of them. I didn't, I didn't much care. I don't much care for it at all. I love that he's a kid. He's supposed to be a high school kid. I thought that was great. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, and you know what? Like, this is a big deal because this is the first time that we're going to get to see Spider-Man with these other characters because of the weird Sony Marvel stuff. Yeah. They've got to get it right. They've got to get this right. And, and I, I, we talked about this a lot, but I mean, I don't know if you, if I remember this correctly, but my, my, at least for myself, like a little bit of Spider-Man in the Avengers goes a long way for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's the one uh, that I like where they, uh, where they break everybody out, break out. It's just like new Avengers. It's the beginning of new Avengers. Yeah. And where Spidey goes out to help goes out to the Island and that's really fun. But like, I just, Spider-Man and Wolverine being in everything has not been fun. No, it's just too much. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that. I don't know. I'm very particular about Spider-Man. <laughs> But I'm letting go of it. I'm letting go of it. I'm going to get rid of all my amazing Spider-Man books and let someone else enjoy them. I've heard that before. No, I'm really going to do it. I put them all on the curb. I put them in a staging area. (laughs) Do you remember when you said that? Are you going to make me go back and find it? Yes. No, I very much remember. I was thinking about it over the weekend and I put them in the staging area. I didn't take them to the curb. I put them in a staging area and I haven't once thought about them. So that means (laughs) I can get still asks about it. Why Dan Dan put all the Spider-Man on the curb? (laughs) (laughs) That's like he was pretty mad. Pretty mad about the mind swap. And now (laughs) I look back to the mind swap as the best thing in Spider-Man books for a long time. I know. I know. I know it's bananas. It's, it's bananas how, how your mind changes. And now I want, all I think about now is Doc Ock. That's yeah. all I think about. What happened to him? Where is he? When's he come? You know, can't we go back to that glorious time period? Oh man, there's a lot of diagrams explaining Spider-Man's costume. Oh, if you Google it. Oh, oh the yeah. eye, the eyes are cameras and this. Just going to try new Spider-Man costume 2017. Yeah. A lot of details. Yeah, Spider. Dan, Dan, we're at two minutes to two hours and four minutes. We gotta wrap this up. All right. You got anything else? No. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's have a call after this so I can tell you how much I want to thank you. No, uh, I would love that. I would too. Let's button this up. I, I love you. I love you too, Marlon Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 